The internet bullies Kratos into coming out in November. Oh, Sly! Did you hear? They've canceled us! Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square at a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, on the other end of the screen, other side of the screen, if you're watching, if you're listening, he's just in the same ear holes as me. It's like he's not <laughs> anywhere, but he is at Double least penetrating somewhere else. those ear holes. Oh, no. Chris Sorry. Figs. <laughs> it's been 40 seconds. Hey, Brett. How's it going? You couldn't even last forty seconds into it without having something, right? Don't tell, don't tell had, the girls that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Forty <laughs> seconds is actually a little longer than your usual time, huh? That's a long um, time. <clears throat> if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. We hope that you uh, found us from something good, and if you did, stick around. We hope you enjoy the show. Uh, first thing I like to do right now even though we have a time honor tradition is I got to give a shout out to uh, one of our new patrons, Mr. Sean Easton. Um, He came out and said, Hey, he didn't really, I'm I'm clearly working this up, but he gave us a dollar a month and uh, he's he's a good dude. I like him a lot. Good guy. uh, Because he supports us just like most of you do by even listening to us at all. So thank you all. Uh, And we got to get this show started the right way which is always the classic time on a tradition of checking in on what we've been playing. Uh, and Chris, because you're the only one here, Mr. Saul's no. out, uh, personal schedule issues. And, uh, it's just me and you. So what have you been playing? Uh, tantalize our listeners. Oh, well, the main games I've been playing, I've been using my switch. Finally, uh, I've been playing a lot of bravely default too, which is a lot of fun. I like that a lot. And then, um, the PS Plus games were finally given away for free. I've been playing a decent amount of arcade again. Surprised by that game. It's pretty good. That's what I was about to say. Is I didn't realize until the other day that the game was still in early access, essentially, and it just fully released mm-hmm. as a PS Plus title. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. They're charging for it not being released and giving it away for free, but more power to you, uh, Illphonic. Yeah, well, I mean... Weird. They're not really giving it away for free. For You're right. Me, they're giving it away more for nine ninety nine a month. <sighs> yeah, or one hundred and twenty a year, sixty Ooh. a year, whatever it is. One eighty, one six. What's the? I don't remember. It depends on your your tier. Yeah, but yeah, other okay than those, though. it's the usual staples. I'm so, playing a lot of uh, MLB twenty two the show and Apex Legends. <clears throat> finally, back on that grind. So it's been a, okay. Apex. Week. Yeah. Apex is the one thing going into the main topic that we have um, that I'm curious to hear if that comes into play as one of your games. But on Arcade Again, yeah, or I guess yeah, or, what's the gameplay loop like? What kind of game is it? It's a um, three-player PVE game. Um, so you go around, you kill enemies, you do goals and stuff like that. I've only been playing solo so far. But I would like to play with people. So if so anyone in the audience would like to play. Squads of three? The three or four. I'm not entirely sure. I think Versus it's you can play with three, three friends. No, well, it's um it's more of like a division type thing where it's PvE. I don't know that there's PvP yet. I haven't explored that far into the game. Okay. So but basically done a you couple just in runs, a world yeah. move around. Okay. Yeah. Well, part of the reason it when you first said it, I was 
I took it slightly differently, even though it doesn't really click that way now that I'm thinking about it. What's up, Cyclops? Um, Scott, isn't that his name? Uh, <laughs> anyway, Scott the I was thinking that with it being Ilphonic, I guess I was just pre thought process of thinking, oh, it's got to be some kind of asymmetric game of some sort, just because that's what most of their games have been. Yeah. You judge the book by its cover, basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You know, the thing that your parents tell you not to do. <laughs> though, hold, let me back up for a second, though. Back so it you're up. telling me right now, the same parents that tell us that we're not supposed to judge a book by its cover mm. are also the people who grew up in the era to a degree. We did as well, me and you, considering we're, you know, same age. Where the only thing, and I still do this every now and then because I want to relive that magic, but where you decide whether or not you're going to buy something entirely based on what it looks like. Like they say, don't judge a book by its cover, but isn't that like the whole point of marketing? And isn't that the whole point of like album art? Like, you know how amazing it is to walk into a record store and be like, this record looks cool. And this, this album art for it looks really cool. And I have no clue what it is. I'm going to read a couple song names and look at the art and I'm going to choose whether or not I want to buy this. I love doing mm-hmm. that. So in that case, is it so bad to judge a book by its cover? Literally? <laughs> Not necessarily, I guess. It can be a good thing, I think, is where I'm going with that. So judge a book by, your, by its cover. You heard me, everyone. <laughs> Go out and be the change you <laughs> want to see in the world. <laughs> I love that. But go ahead, Chris. <clears throat> with what um, I, I was, there was nothing much else for me to say the games are good um, Bravely Default is an excellent JRPG is it a JRPG? I guess it is um, and it's cool yeah I mean I it's feel, a turn based uh, tactic style game basically right? yeah yeah it's a lot of fun I okay. like the story it looks surprisingly good on the Switch Switch OLED of course <laughs> of course, you filthy peasants with your Switch lights <laughs> and Switch <laughs> Switch launch editions. How dare Who would you? ever have a Switch light at this point? I mean, my dream Switch, if I'm being honest, is a Switch light with an OLED screen. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that, but... Because the same problem I've... The problem I had originally and that I didn't have when I had the light... Was uh, and I was talking to Blake about this other day. I had a silicone case for the Switch Lite that I you know, was using of my daughter's before I had to give it back to her, um, and I bought it for it. And it gave those little bumps on the back where about halfway up it starts to slope up toward the bottom to give you like a handle. And my hands never hurt playing the Switch Lite, and because I still play the Switch OLED essentially entirely in handheld, I have not docked it at all for anything other than charging. Yeah. There's times where I'm playing Monster Hunter, uh, Legends of Arceus, you know, a Pokemon Legends Arceus before it, but Monster Hunter now, and definitely a game like Monster Hunter that's more involved. I find that like the way that you have to push the, your hands into the Switch or the Switch into your hands rather to support it makes my hands hurt. Really? It's a little too cumbersome for your body? Well, it's not. It's like it's too thin. And it's like, instead of having a handle that my hand can grip around, instead, it's like I'm having to shove the Joy-Con into a very small sliver of my palm, which eventually makes it hurt. Right. Because it's like you're using your hand to support the device, but you're literally using just your palm. 
I can see that. How do I hold mine? Or at least the way I hold it. Now it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. It, it puts it puts the bottom round into like the part of your palm that's like directly below your pinky finger. I can see that. And that, that starts to hurt after a while. Definitely when you have to reach for certain buttons more often, like a game like Monster Hunter where you're constantly hitting buttons because it's real-time action. I noticed it a lot more than Pokemon Legends. I was like, well, this is actually not that uncomfortable. But now I'm kind of like, can I get a case, like a <laughs> silicone cover or something? I, I want something for my Joy-Cons. Also because yeah. they're white. And they do white just gets dirty easy. Yeah. I stand Boy, by do I know. white consoles, white handheld consoles and white controllers are always a bad idea. They just are. <laughs> I agree. I don't know. I do like, you remember I like the 360 it, controller? Yes, I do. Cheeto saying controllers. I worked, at, I worked at GameStop. Those things yellowed so bad. Yeah. There's times where like I could not refuse. Like technically I wasn't supposed to be able to refuse trade in, but I would just I would just like look at something and be like, ah yeah, the analog stick's feeling a little loose. We can't take it. It's defective. Because <laughs> I'm like, I I'm like, I don't want anyone to have to deal with this. This is not a viable controller. This is yeah. disgusting. You give it back, you're Ugh. like, hey. Wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, we had, and of course, in a world with COVID, it doesn't feel so weird now, but I would, anytime someone handed me a controller, unless it was like pristine, clean looking, I had a pump, a huge pump of sanitizer in the back that as soon as I handed it back to them, I'm like, okay. Just like, <laughs> Take your nasty ass controller back. But yeah, the, the plastic for the 360 just yellowed in a way that was so unflattering. And the gray yeah. of the analog sticks showed staining way worse than the black of the PlayStation 3. So honestly, the controllers could have been equal level of dirty, but you'd never know with the PS3 because it was a black controller for the, the majority and right. black buttons. So, But uh, yeah, so Monster Hunter Rise, I uh, started that this week really good. Um, it, it really is what I wanted when, I don't know if you remember back when they first technically announced Vita, but it was called NGP for Next Gen Portable. Yeah, I remember that. And they were showing off, you know, things that they were planning on for it. And they showed a new Monster Hunter engine or one of the previous games and a new engine basically for Vita. And then that just never happened. <laughs> and I guess Nintendo chunks wads of money at Capcom so that Capcom would bring all the Monster Hunter games to the 3DS. Mm-hmm. which at that point was also not doing that hot. So regardless, that's that happened. And I always thought that like a Vita Monster Hunter would be like this, where it's kind of like brought in some of the things that World brought in, but is a little bit more of like the classic handheld ones that were on PSP. Yeah, it's really good. I know that you were, when me and Blake were talking about it, you were mentioning that you're on the fence about giving it a try. Yeah, I'm very on the <sighs> fence about it. What did you, what did you not like about World? I can is it something that you feel like you can put your finger on? I, I just didn't. I don't know. It it feels the same as like like I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, but like I did not like playing the forest because that's just that kind of like here you go. You know, it doesn't really appeal to me outside of like very specific circumstances. Well, and I, I can understand the forest. For sure, mm-hmm. because it's survival games like that across the board. <clears throat> there really isn't pro- like there is progression, but the progression is almost entirely what you make of it. Sure. 
And I think that's probably why you didn't like Tribes of Midgard. Like, there's a goal, but it's not like Tribes of Midgard. The biggest expressed. problem was how slow I felt everything was. It's like, oh, I'm gonna. It felt like I was walking a mile, but like actually, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll give you a couple things. So, for Monster in a World, I guess what all I'm saying is, am I understanding correctly that you're trying? to compare the forest and Monster Hunter in terms of why they make you feel a certain way? Because I feel like Monster Hunter is far more pointed. Like, it tells you what you need to do, and you can just go do that, or you can do everything else. It's, it's, you know, when you go, when you load into a world for a monster, like into one of the areas, the zones, you can go directly to the monster and kill it and be done. Yeah. So it's far more traditional gamey and there's a hub and there's armor and a bunch of RPG like elements that's not in the forest. Like I, the forest is so vague and doesn't really give you any indication of what you should be doing that it's all about mm-hmm. exploring and discovering that on your own. And that's what makes the forest great to me is discovering a bunch of crazy stuff. But Monster Hunter is not like that. So I was just curious you, you played World. I did. Is it is it the gameplay loop of killing monsters just to get their parts to make better armor to kill bigger monsters that you don't get into uh, maybe no i just think i didn't i didn't uh, find it engaging it it just i don't know how else to explain it and it's something that i've considered giving another chance because i know like blake loves it and you're a fan of rise but the world world's amazing rise is really good so far but there's a few things they took out that i thought world put been I put uh, more focus on that I really liked. One of the things being that you could lock on to like exact body parts since the game has a system to where it's like to get certain parts. It's kind of like Horizon Forbidden West and Zero Dawn in the sense that if you want to get a specific part to get a specific upgrade or to uh, forge a specific sword or armor, that you had to like... It was like, oh, you need a tail of a Rathalos. And it's like, oh, okay. So when I fight the Rathalos, the only way I get a tail of the Rathalos is if I spend time strategically avoiding attacking anywhere but his tail. And so the game lets you lock on to body parts. And it's not like perfect lock on, but it lets you make sure that you're focusing your attacks as much as you can towards those. And that's not here in this one. It's mm-hmm. more like you you can hit the tail and you'll eventually break it, but you don't actually like knock it off. I love that in world it would like fall off and they couldn't use it anymore. And it was like, you were strategically deciding how to take him down either for what you needed or because, ah, he keeps hitting me with his tail, but if I focus on his tail, I can knock it off and then he can't hit me with it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of the issues for me come more, which is going to be sounds weird because I adore breath of the wild. It's not structured enough for me. And that's just the, the only thing I can think of. And I know you don't even have to say it, but there's it, the thing with Breath of the Wild is like exploring was fun, and I don't think that ex- the moment to moment exploring in Monster Hunter World didn't engage me. You know, I, that's really all I can really think of why I didn't like it. But again, I want to give it another shot, fight some T Rexes. Rise is a lot bigger, and it's also a lot faster because you have the dog that you can mount, and Ooh. when you're on the mount, you don't. You don't waste your own stamina, whereas in World, anytime you were trying to sprint to move faster, it used stamina, which is 
Like, and as you use stamina, your stamina bar gets lower and lower. Like your max stamina goes down and you have to create things that help get your stamina back up. Like, it's weird that you talk about Breath of the Wild because so much of the things that people thought like, like about Breath of the Wild came from Monster Hunter. Co- collecting resources to be able to make certain potions, uh, getting meat and then cooking it and having a jingle that you have to time your thing to is like, that's monster hunter as fuck. That, that is that that's been monster hunter since PSP, bro. I mean, maybe, like, but hold on. Is the music for cooking anywhere close to as good as the Zelda one? I listen to it and find out definitely in rise. It's different in every game. But they're all very upbeat, kind of. You know, I, I think they're good. I you, just you, adore it's literally that. a judge it for yourself. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's weird because I exist on the opposite side of you. I literally recently tried playing. The reason I even started playing my Switch again at all is I tried playing Breath of the Wild yet again, and I just I can't do it. I I don't like that game. <laughs> it's just not for me. But uh, so I understand that I'm being hypocritical in a sense of telling you that you're talking about loving a game that borrows so many ideas from Monster Hunter while saying I love Monster Hunter. But then me saying that it's borrowing from him. So by that logic, I should like Breath of the Wild. You're completely fair to just not like it. It's not even that I don't like it. It's just like you've seen the way I you see how I play games because you have the we're going to go with the word privilege of seeing how many games I download on a regular basis because I have so I have such bad ADHD that like if I'm not interested in something in the first five minutes, like I'll just stop playing it. Like I, I downloaded Wild Arms. I'm like, I'm gonna see how this goes. And then I think I saw how the game started and just went, nah, and deleted it. I was like, I'm not playing this. <laughs> like I don't know how to so like it's stuff like that with Monster Hunter it probably It happened. does suck. Because I feel like even Breath of the Wild has the same issue, though a little less, because Breath of the Wild immediately throws you into the world, which I think Monster Hunter World could have benefited from. Uh, the prob- the only problem I've had with Rise so far, and it actually, I don't remember it being in World. I think World immediately threw you into a situation where you're in a, like you're in a combat situation, excuse me, a combat situation. Rise starts with a cutscene and you go through all this stuff and you wake up in the hub area, which is fine. But then you spend like 45 minutes just being told of what all the hub things do. And I'm like, let me play the game. Yeah. And then tell me what these things do as I'm approaching that point. It's like, do I really need to know where the story, where the story is before I even go on my first hunt and my first mission that I do, you give me things like it's unnecessary. You can wait until I've done one mission and then go, Oh, by the way, here's the story. And then I go do another mission. You're like, ah, now you're doing that. Here's the kitchen where you can go do this. (laughs) Oh, now you're back from one more slay. Well, guess what? This is where you can go and get gear for your, like I, why do I need to know the blacksmith if I've not killed anything to have material to make anything? Because he's a nice guy, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only problem I had with it. Is I'm like, why is this game so intent on keeping me from hunting monsters? It's literally the namesake of the game. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait, hey, no. You got to learn how about the, how the village works first. <laughs> it yeah. just was weird. I don't know. No, I get you. I world is free. I would implore you try it. to try world 
And I think World is... One of the things I think is a little different here is I think World's at its most fun when you're playing with other people and you can play that entire game with other people. Yeah, part of it I don't know if this was purposeful, but Rise has got... You may not like it as much because there there are hub online missions that you can do and you can fight anything, get them more rewards. But if you actually want it to progress within the story like Monster Hunter Rise had, our world has, that let you still do the story with other people, you can't do normal quests with other people. You can only do hub quests with people. And that's kind really? of saddening because I would love to play the whole game with somebody. And instead, it's like when me and Blake were playing, we just have to go f- get random missions to fight random things. And it's fun, but it's missing an element that I thought World really nailed. So even if you don't know that you want to spend $60 to potentially be disappointed again, spending... 30 minutes of your download time and maybe, you know, an hour of play for world again would be worth it. Maybe. Okay. I'll give it a shot. I'll download it. It's funny. You bring up your ADHD though. Mm. When Blake and I were playing the other day, I told him, I was like, you know, it is a little funny to me that Chris dogs on you. And I do too constantly about how, how quickly he gets rid of consoles. Like he'll get one and then trade it or sell it within six, six months. And I was like, but the irony is that I see how often Chris downloads game and this man does with games what you do with consoles, but like times 20. Oh, yeah. But I own all those games. <laughs> you download stuff so sometimes so much that my phone doesn't even like keep up with it and it'll just say game. It'll say game is ready to play and it'll have no icon beside it. And I'm like, yeah, is he, I think that's, is, uh, did he turn on incognito mode? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you don't want people to see the games that you're downloading. Yeah. I, I didn't want, I didn't want you to know that I downloaded waifu simulator. <clears throat> you got to do what you got to do, Chris. That happens on um, every PS plus collection game, like the PS one games. Cause that happened with Resident Evil definitive edition. And it happened with wild arms the other day. Ah, okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is a shame because I agree with you in the sense that you don't owe the game anything. And so if it can't click within you within the first five minutes, definitely when you get a, a lot of these games for free. Like I've noticed that you used to be bad. Yeah. But it was like three games every other day. Since <laughs> PS Plus has come out with this new thing, I've seen you download in the last three weeks, I swear, at least 50 games. I don't know about 50, but definitely a it's lot of games. It's nearing 50. It is nearing yeah. 50. I feel bad. It's like, like I'm conscious of it. Like, I'll be like, oh, I, <laughs> like I hit download on a couple things yesterday because I was like, oh, I might want to try out Far Cry 6. And I'm like, oh, right. It's 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, it, my phone is constantly on silent. You did nothing to me. Well, my phone go. is on vibrate only. So you did not bother me at all. But yes, it, I just noticed that it's, when you're, where I was going with that is when it's free, though, there's even less reason for you to want to give a game more time. Like when you mm-hmm. spent $60 on the game, you're kind of like, I'm, I'm, I've got personal investment money-wise in this, and so I've got to give it a little more time potentially to see if it grips me. But if you downloaded it 100% free, five minutes in, if you're like, man, not doing it for me, it's just like, oh, well, no skin off my back, delete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Even some games that I've bought, I'm just like, I just don't feel... Like, that was the thing with Dying Light. Like, Dying Light 2. Because Dying Light 1 is one of my favorite games ever. And then Dying Light 2, I played for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't want to play this. And I still haven't played it. Like, <laughs> that's just how I get. Which is why I own so many freaking games. 
I notice it happens for me on sale games far more often. Like uh, yeah. PS3 had this game called Hydrophobia that was on sale for like real real cheap mm-hmm. when PS3 was PS4 wasn't out yet, and I bought it because it was like seventy percent off for PS Plus people. I played that game for like twenty minutes and was like, not good enough. Like what I've played so far has done nothing to help. Yeah, and I was like, and I instantly regretted it. And I was like, even though it was only <laughs> like five dollars or whatever it was, I was like. I still couldn't give it more time, even though I had money wrapped up into it, because I was like, I just, I don't care. Well, that's, I think, people always talk about it, right? When you're a kid, you have time but no money, and as all you have money but no time. It's just, that's just how I am. Like, yeah, I got the money to spend 10 bucks on Beautiful Desolation. Oh, I don't want to play this anymore? Okay. You know, like Wonderful 101 I downloaded the other day. I got to the title screen, and I was like, Actually, I don't want to play this. And I just turned it off and <laughs> just didn't play it at all. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've had that happen. No lie. <laughs> I've had that yeah. happen. I've told you, I told you like medieval, like I played the tutorial and I was like, oh, this sucks. And I just deleted it immediately so that the trophies wouldn't count. <laughs> so I could still delete Dude, the trophies. I bought Monster Hunter Rise when it came out a year and a half ago, whenever it was, <laughs> and I've yet to play it until this week. Yeah. And whenever it started and it looked way better than I thought it would, I was like, wow, this is actually, this looks really good. Yeah. And then when I got in and I could not, like it was just constantly, and it's made worse because I usually do not interact with character creators at all. Yeah. You're just a default character, man. Yeah, wild, wild hair up my ass. I decided I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna really try and spend time on character creator here and see what I can come up with. So I made my guy like a true role playing. I've made my guy a backstory. I've I know who his character is. His name is Rain R E I X N, and he's a Kingdom Hearts character basically. I, ha- I gave him purple hair that swooped off to the side. He's got the gold eyes, so he's like an Organization Thirteen member. He's got a slash across his face that emits a glowing yellow light from whenever he was attacked by a specific uh, monster in his childhood, and the monster implanted part of itself into him. And he's why he- all this dumb backstory stuff. Right, I'm like I'm gonna go hard into it. And then I did the same with my dogs. I was like, I got to name my dog. I, I figured out what my name was before the X came in. My guy's name was Aaron, E-R-I-N. And then you mix it up and throw an X in there. And then I was like, oh, okay. okay. You get a dog and you get a cat. So I named my I named the dog a mix-up of Aaron. I named it uh, Aaron, I-R-E-N. And then I named the cat uh, Neri, N-E-R-I. I almost did near because I was like, oh, I didn't realize. But... I spent all this time. So that was like an hour and I never do that. And then I hopped into a game that would not let me play it for another hour. (laughs) (laughs) And I sat there like I've waited and built this game up for like a year and a half and I'm finally playing it. I kind of want to turn it off right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so glad I pushed through that because I'm having a blast. I've been playing it a bunch this week, Mm -hmm. but there was that little point in me that was like, nope. Yeah, I came close to buying it. I might, I might still buy it just to play with you guys. But I'll try World first. I have that downloading, so we'll see. Okay, cool. I'll download it. I love World. Great game. Yeah, I'm down. And I think, ironically, I'm at the very, I'm still at the very last monster, the boss of. I might have killed it. I'm either at the last boss of the game or I'm after that. I played so many hours with other people, not doing the story. 
mm. that it's like I played 350 hours but didn't beat it. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I, I've got my fill. I'm good. Uh, so yeah, I'll, uh, it'd be fun to hit that up and, and play that. And it's not too different from Rise, so it be, should be pretty easy to hop into. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move into the community's take. If you want to be part of the community's take, which is where we ask you guys in the community a question, uh, typically based around our main topic from the previous episode uh, or ones that you guys suggest to us, and we get your feedback and opinions on that topic uh, and either challenge, you know, use that to challenge our own views on it, see if it changes them, or just get differing viewpoints. Um you can go over and find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. If you ask to be entered into there, I'll gladly let you in. And then lastly, you can find us on Discord, which is always linked down in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services. Um, and if you are listening or watching, remember to like and or subscribe if you like what we got going on. Or if you're on podcast services, drop a review to let people know what you like about the show and if it's worth their time. But the community state question was, courtesy of one of our patrons and longtime listeners, the Snow Jedi, he says, who is the most overrated game dev? Who's the most underrated game dev? And what's the most overrated game What's the most underrated game? So big question with lots of potential there. Uh, and we have a good chunk of answers. Uh, some people answered half of it, which is fine. I don't blame them. Uh, so with that said, we're going to go ahead and get some of the ones from Discord. One of our patrons, TT Dog, says Obsidian. Some of their biggest successes were piggybacking other great games. In both cases, they improved elements of the gameplay, but messed up the story and ending. He mentions Knights of the Old Republic 2 and New Vegas as uh, prime examples. When given free reign, they produced Alpha Protocol, which I got to bounce back real quick and say, excuse you, sir, how dare you tell... He says it's the very embodiment of average, which is probably not wrong. I disagree. That's their best game. But that game has so much charm. I don't even know how to like... Anyway, he says uh, they have potential as seen with the Outer Worlds in the South Park game, but don't see anything to warrant why some hold them in such high regard. Um, and then he put on Facebook his unpopular overrated um, stuff. Anyway, I it's weird because I kind of agree and disagree. I love Obsidian. And the reason I love Obsidian is and why I think most of their fans have such a big strong liking toward them is that their writing of specifically characters is so much more interesting than the majority of game studios out there and while they may sometimes miss on the overarching general plot the characters that are in that plot are always interesting to me and i think they use interesting ideas with their plot, even if they may not completely deliver on that, um, on the promise of that every single time. I always look at Chris's The Outer Worlds as a good example of why Obsidian is kind of slept on. It's a game where he swore he hated it, went back to play it, and absolutely adored it. And if that doesn't speak volumes to something, I don't know what else does. Outer Worlds is sick. It's so Great good. Game. Love it. Now I, I need to go back and finish the DLC. Let's, let's break it down, though, real quick. Break it down. What is it that you love about the Outer Worlds? If you had to... I don't know that you are. I mean, 
do you agree or disagree on this particular answer as term in terms of being overrated? Absolutely disagree. That's I don't agree at all, actually. So you think, think Obsidian are I think out of all the ahead. teams that Microsoft and Sony have purchased in the last five years, Insomniac and Obsidian are the two most valuable and best studios. I I would I say Obsidian is Microsoft's best studio, including Bethesda, including Activision. And I would put Obsidian over everyone in Sony's family except Insomniac. Now, playing devil's advocate here, because yeah. I feel the need to. Go for it. You feel this way. And I'm just, I'm mainly asking because I want you, I, if, if possible, I want you to kind of put out how you reach that. Uh, how you bring that back together with the fact that you think that 3 is better than New Vegas. Right? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've played KOTOR 1 or 2. I have. Okay. Do you think KOTOR 1 or 2 is better? 2. My man. Okay. We're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you've played Outer Worlds. Yes, I Did have. Did you play the South Park uh, the South Park game? Stick of Truth? That's the one that they developed. Ubisoft. I played some of it. I didn't finish it, though. Throwing that out there, that game time is and a, Time so and good. place thing. Not a yeah. dislike or like thing. I, I can understand, but point being, that game is amazing. <laughs> I will fight tooth and nail on that. I think that game is better than the Fractured Butthole. <laughs> but, still. Alright, so, with all that said, why do you love the Outer Worlds and all the other games that make you think that, make you hold that studio in such high regard, while we're looking at this from the opposing side? We have his point of view. I just think that they have better writing chops than anyone in this industry and i think that makes their games better there's a you know other than the trophies there's a reason that i was willing to push through one fps fallout new vegas for so long because i wanted to see what would happen next i knew that playing the dlc would make my gameplay worse and still wanted to see the dlc out like stuff like that yeah well it's like i think the outer worlds is a is a fantastic game but if mm-hmm. you had me like describe why I love it, almost every bit of what I'm describing is going to be characters, character interactions, right. and just general memorable moments between people. And that only happens when you have such... And I know that sounds weird because to say that you put someone at that high of esteem in regard, like all of their games still play well. Like I am of the idea that Fallout New Vegas plays much better than Fallout 3. The addition of iron sights on every gun feels significantly better, and I'm so glad that Fallout 4 decided that they should copy that because it was the right move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think New Vegas just feels better to play. Now, there's a, much of, there's a bunch of other things you can look at as to why 3 or New Vegas might be the better game, but the point I'm making here is that it's not like New Vegas is a badly made game from a gameplay perspective. It's buggy, so is Fallout 3. New Vegas is more buggy. Yes, it <laughs> albeit. is. Uh, but so with that said, it's like even when their games are buggy and even when it's alpha protocol, I like them. I like their characters. I think KOTOR 2 is, uh, is honestly more interesting look at the Star Wars world 
taking an idea and being like, what if we look at this from something that's never really been looked at in the Star Wars universe at that particular point in time? I think the character interactions are really good. And even though some people argue that the ending is anticlimactic, I kind of think the ending is very fitting. (laughs) I don't know. I agree. I don't really know that it has to be climactic. That's a weird conversation to have. Like, does a story have to have massive payoff to still be good? Uh, well, it's, it's the argument I've always made about Mass Effect Three. Like, as few spoilers as I can give here, I think that that game. I think that is it's, it sounds weird, but that entire game is the ending of Mass Effect Three, and I feel like people are uh, the. Uh, Sorry, that entire game is the ending of the Mass Effect trilogy, but people only look at the last five minutes as the ending, which I think is just a stupid take. <laughs> like, that whole game spends the entire runtime wrapping up the Mass Effect trilogy. From like, things more that started in stuff, 1 and 2. Tali stuff. Everything with Rex. Like, all of that stuff is being wrapped up in 3. 3 is the ending, but people go, oh, the colors. I'm like, but that's not the ending. <laughs> the whole thing is the ending. That's the end. Yeah, it, but it's, it's not weird the ending. how much that problem compounds because it's like you can be disappointed in the end of 3 as its own standalone game, but then you also have to look at it as how 3 as an entire game is the ending to 3 games. Like 3 is basically the act 3 of Mass Effect. Right. Even though. Mass Effect 3 has its own Act 3. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think all their games are fun. That's the other thing. I I don't think that people would continue to throw money at them and give them games if there wasn't some kind of magic sauce. And I think that everyone could mostly agree that their magic sauce is in their character writing uh, and their general take on characters and RPG elements. Because... You know, my go-to as to why I think the Outer Worlds and New Vegas are more interesting, in my opinion, than definitely Fallout 4 and uh, other ilk, Skyrim, things like that, is because of how much more they tie in your character progression systems into giving you interesting ways to interact with the world based off of how you've chosen to make your character. Having your character be a bumbling idiot and being able to actually see something only happen because you're a bumbling idiot is so (laughs) much more interesting than having four dialogue options that you don't even completely know what they mean because they give you like a two-word synopsis of what your character is about to say. And you're like, I didn't even want him to say that. Yeah, yep. Do you like so, the uh, L.A. Noir problem? Oh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Heavy Rain has a little bit of that problem, not nearly as bad, but it, it, does, it does have the issue where like the answers float around your head with a button beside them, and they have to be limited because they can't take up too much screen space, so they like try and condense them, and every now and then you click on something, you're like, I didn't think that that was going to be the response given based off of what it told me as a preview. But point being, I like Obsidian a lot, and I don't think that Microsoft would have been so keen to buy them uh, had they not done it. But hey, not belittling your opinion, but we've Maybe had this conversation, bit. Mark, and I just know that you, me and you were just, we don't agree on this particular one. <laughs> That's okay. Um, uh, you want to grab the next one, Chris? Sure. Rude Cold says, uh, overrated developers Ubisoft as they recycle so many elements across their games and have produced a decent new IP in years. 
Skull and Bones coming out in November. Uh, underrated <laughs> developer, <laughs> Ninja Theory. Not enough credit for the games they have made. Hoping Hellblade 2 will be good. Overrated game, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> dull, 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 dull. Story was nowhere to be seen. Disagree. Underrated game, Little Nightmares 2. Improves over the first game. General, gen, gen, genuinely terrifying little horror game with a great freaky art style and fun gameplay. Yeah. You know, going to, I think I agree with most of this take. <laughs> Ubisoft went from interesting, uh, and they, they've always been a big publisher. It's just who they are. But I feel like in the PS3 era, they were far more willing, much like EA, but uh, alongside them, to take weird swings in the dark. Like, I don't think you get 2007, 2008, whatever it was, Prince of Persia from Ubisoft now i don't think you'd ever see them make a game like that and put it out now and that game was very divisive but the game was unique and interesting and i think far cry 3 at the time was unique and interesting and like oh okay this is kind of spinning a franchise in a slightly different way and then they just got to this point where everything's a snowball right everything has got to be like we got to have an assassin's creed every year we have to have a far cry every two years we have to have this and I know you really liked um, Immortal Phoenix. Phoenix, what the Immortal the name. Phoenix Rising? It's a bad game name. It's, but it's, it's, clearly, it's from a sales standpoint, but even I, think, I don't know. I feel like critical reception for that game was pretty solid. Yeah, it is. But it did not sell very well. Oh, I bet <laughs> I mean, it didn't. Rip. You think modern uh, day Ubisoft would have published Dragon Guard too? No, <laughs> I don't think that Me they. Either. I don't think Ubisoft wants to do anything that's not directly them anymore, and that's kind of where it's weird. Like WB still does it. They published you know, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. What the yeah, hell? Only in America, though. Only in the only in yeah. the Western territories. And Peppa Pig the game. Damn, I believe that one. Crystal Chronicles. This is nuts. They Sorry. were also responsible for much of the shovelware of uh, of the PS. Vita and 3DS era like that oh, time. Oh, 100%. So bad. Oh. Like uh, Mary if, King's Riding Star. No, hold on. Ubisoft published the console version of Dungeon Hunter Alliance. And on PlayStation, uh, on PlayStation 3, it was like $15. Not that bad, right? On phones, that game was like $10. Console version, a little bit more to it, like 15 bucks. It came out on Vita for $40. Yeah. $40 for a game you could buy and play on your phone for like 10, probably seven by that point. And it was also like four years old or five years old at that point. And it's like a, it's a mediocre, like, I guess it may, it might be better than Diablo Immortal since everybody seems to think that sucks. <laughs> That's a joke. I haven't played Diablo Immortal. I don't have any opinion, but it's like, it's the epitome of generic. It, it doesn't have names for any of the character class. Like the names are all just like the most, oh, it's, it's just a warrior. And he, he's wearing leather armor. It can't have anything what? more interesting. It's just very run of the mill. That reminds me of, uh, of the reason I never played the Pathless. Because it's free on Apple Arcade and forty dollars on PS Five, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not not paying for that." The Pathless looks good, though. It looks awesome, but I'm not paying forty dollars for a game I can play on my phone. 
for free five dollars a month whatever mm. you know what I, I may have to bite the bullet and buy that because that looks really good i've been debating it a lot lately let me catch that okay on the next that. sale i'll, I'll keep it an <laughs> yeah i don't ever check the scale the sales but i forget you can do wish list now so i might as well yeah um, that's my biggest problem is i just look through the sales and every once in a while i'm like sure yeah this is five bucks i don't know will i ever play this no but i own it now yeah our underrated developer ninja theory clearly oh, yeah i agree with that i think ninja theory are great uh enslaved odyssey to the west fantastic i think hellblade is a uh is a great or Hellblade is, but Heavenly Sword is a great game. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm surprised that nothing else really happened with that. I guess it just didn't sell well enough, but it was good. Um, I thought Hellblade was a, a very wonderful game. They ha- they put out that game that right after Microsoft bought them, that weird brawler multiplayer. Bleeding game, Edge. Bleeding Edge, yeah. Yep. That didn't really look that great. It looked bad. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't play it, but I like I like Hell, uh, I like uh, Ninja Theory a lot. Uh, he's his overrated game. Clearly, I know you disagree with Breath of the Wild. This is the weirdest thing. I do think that Breath of the Wild's overrated, but I don't think it's like grossly overrated. I don't even know how to like better describe that. Uh, the way I've constantly said it is like when I'm playing Breath of the Wild, I see a game that while it's not to my liking exactly, I still see why it's like a eight and a half or nine out of ten. Yeah, I think Breath of the Wild is underrated. I don't know if I agree with that. I think Breath of the Wild will be taught in schools. That's how good a game I think that is. Yeah, you are. You're ridiculous. No, I'm dead serious. Like when my when my kid, who I have genetically programmed to be a video game developer from a young age, goes to college, you mean they will be learning Breath of the Wild? Yeah, I don't think it's not going to be in like a a classic English, like an English class. It'll be like Dickens and the Odyssey, (laughs) Breath of the Wild, and the uh, Dante's Inferno. No, I don't think that's what. That's not what I meant. (laughs) See, it's weird because to me, I think. There's things I like about Breath of the Wild on paper. Yeah. Like if if I explain the fact that Breath of the Wild has got like pretty open ways for you to mix stuff together, I understand that. Like I get how that is exciting sounding. And I even get how sometimes it's exciting in game. I've had a few moments across my three different times trying to play the game where I've had like a little glimpse of fun. <laughs> but I think it ultimately Fuck you. <laughs> I don't I, I mean that. <laughs> it's just I've, I've a couple times where I glimpsed the fun. Suck well, I should dick. say I glimpsed <laughs> I glimpsed the fun that people act like no other game has. I should say that. I would agree with that. But more importantly, to the extent that I'm going is, <laughs> I feel like that game is weighed down by so many open world game issues that it's a disservice to the game. I don't think that finding... It's much like in the new Pokemon Legends Arceus. I was playing it, and I've beat the end game, and the only thing left to do is to meet Arceus by catching every Pokemon and getting the Pokedex done. The problem is, to do that, you have to to collect like 187 Wisp that are across all the map segments of the game. 
Yeah. And I don't give a shit to do that because it's boring. It's busy work for an open world to try and make your world more interesting and force people to want to search it. I don't think the Korok seeds are really that interesting in Zelda. I don't think that trying to find all the shrines is really that interesting because after a while, the shrines just become, there's only so many original ideas and then it becomes a slightly different change of, oh, I've already done this one and I kind of have an idea of how I'm supposed to get it done. And it's just, it's, it's filler. The game mm-hmm. is too big for no reason. I could see a version of Breath of the Wild that's three quarters to half the size of the game world and just tighter that I could see myself liking more. I'm of the viewpoint that often games that are smaller tend to have worlds that feel larger because it feels like there's more going on within them. And so the world has a bigger impact on you in a way that lingers in your mind in a way that feels large. And I don't, and again, Every bit of this should be layered through the fact that I've only played in terms of one sitting. I've gotten to the third beast at about 20 to 25 hours in of gameplay, the third sacred beast. That's as far as I've gotten in the game. So do with that what you will. But that's where my disconnect is with it. I've never played Little Nightmares 2. So yeah, I think it's a bad take, but people have it. Did you play Little Nightmares 1? No, I haven't. It it was really good. I played it not too long ago, like about a year ago. I liked it a lot. Pretty good game. Uh, I, I'm curious to see the second one because I think the first one has a lot of really cool ideas, but it's also clearly like a budget game because it's, I can see like it's the type of game that not everyone would make. I think it's on the PS Plus collection, if I'm not mistaken. It probably is, but if it's not, I own it digitally, so you can download it for me <laughs> or from me, rather. Um all right, we're going to get through a little bit more of these. This one was interesting. The Snow Jedi, who brought the question up, thanks, man. He says, Mario Odyssey uh, is the most overrated Mario game. Ryan at IGN gave it a 10. Absolute garbage, that score. <laughs> I have the unpopular opinion. I don't think Mario is like a bad gaming series. I just don't like them. I don't play them. I've never been drawn to play one. I've played bits of them while over at people's houses, and it's never made me be like, I got to go buy Mario right now. Listen, I'm not a Mario guy, so I feel as though I can say this. Uh, the most interesting thing about Mario has been Chris Pratt being cast as Mario. Well, in that kind of how Mario works, is he's supposed to be every gamer? Like he's supposed to be vanilla. <laughs> he's, he's he's not supposed to be interesting. <laughs> but I don't I don't even think the games are good. That's my point. Is like. The best thing to happen to him is an actor that I like playing his voice. (laughs) The funniest thing about Mario is that the most fun I've ever had playing a Mario game, and this seems crazy, the most fun I've ever had playing a Mario game was at my buddy Blaze's bachelor party where we stayed stayed over at his house at the time and we're playing on Wii U, the first Mario Maker. And we found a set of levels that someone had designed that were carbon copies, basically, of, and they had adjusted all sorts of things to where you were playing Super Meat Boy levels within Mario Maker. Sick. And that's the most fun I've ever had playing Mario. And I immediately went and played Super Meat Boy afterwards and fell in love with it because Super Meat Boy Great is game. a much better platformer than, oh, yeah. than Mario. I'm pretty sure... The reason that I say I don't like platformers is because I don't think there's been a fun Mario game ever. 
<laughs> and that's the de facto platformer that everyone goes to. Oh, well, if you like platformers, that must mean well, you think like about Mario. It. Not people, really. People suck off Mario World. And I played Mario World and I went, wow, this sucks. And then I turned it off and never <laughs> played it again. So why would I ever play another platformer if that's the one that people are like, yo, this is the best game of all time. Super Mario World. Like, okay, he's hopping over some freaking mar- mushrooms and marshmallows and, and weird baseball guy throwing footballs. Like, I don't understand what any of this is, and I'm not enjoying it. So I'm going to go play Call of Duty. <laughs> I love platformers. I really do. And mm-hmm. Mario just does not cut it for me. The only platformer I've ever liked is Super Meat Boy. Super Never Meat Boy played is, another is one I like. truly excellent. It's really good. It's incredible. I mean, stuff. I would argue that there's other games that are essentially platformers, but they're like puzzle platformers. Like Portal is a is a platforming game. Yeah, it's but fine. It, it's just it's a platforming game in such a weird way that you don't really think of it that way. The Talos Principle is a puzzle platformer. It's really good. I love that game a lot. But the thing I think there's a difference between a platformer and a puzzle platformer. I would play a puzzle platformer, but I don't know, man. I don't. I don't really see what's fun about jumping. That's the, I know I'm being pedantic and whatever and reducing the games down, but it's just jumping. Rayman Origins. Yeah, that game's all right. It's it's fantastic. I love that game. It's a good game. Legends became like a rhythm-based platformer, and I didn't care for that personally because I was like, why would you create the best Rayman game yet with Rayman Origins and absolutely kill it and then follow that up with a sequel that looks the exact same but plays where I'm constantly jumping to a beat it's like if I wanted a music platform where those exist I don't really know why multiple Rayman games needed to become that but whatever, although I, I will suppose. say Mario and Rabbids is excellent so Mario has one fun game not made by Nintendo I didn't yeah. play it but I watched my wife play because I bought it for her yeah. it looked fun it's an XCOM game, baby. Hell yeah. I know. The entire Hell time I was watching yeah. play it, I was like, interesting. <laughs> Mario Tactics, give it to me. Honestly, Mario RPG exists. Mario Tactics is probably not as far away as you think. You know what, though? <laughs> Actually, Paper Mario, uh, the one on Game Boy, very good. No, what's the one? Eh, whatever. I like a Paper Mario game. One of them. I've played one. I like it. That's that's a good game. So Mario's got some stuff going for it, but the bread and butter, big, big no. Big no thanks. Super Mario World sucks. Sucks. Yeah. Uh, well, I just got the show canceled it's, it's, by half the people in this world. <laughs> probably, but I'm not going to say Mario sucks. Like, they're well-made games. But I agree with you that the most interesting thing about Mario is it Chris my, Pratt is voicing him? That's a pretty <laughs> that's that's a pretty legit thing. My bookshelf is a well made bookshelf. It doesn't mean I want to play it. Anyway, what's next? Oh, it's awesome Dave, who says Breath of the Wild is greatly overrated. Anyway, let's take some from <laughs> Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I see why funny. people think Breath of the Wild is overrated. I just think they're wrong and dumb. Look, just Chris, kidding. I love you guys. Just a joke. Basically, listen. You think that Nier is overrated. Oh. But there are people yeah. that absolutely love Nier. Mm-hmm. So you're just on the opposite side. You're for a different game. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm just passionate. That's all it is. I, yeah. I'm just passionate about what I love. That's the, that's the best way to describe it is like Breath of the Wild to me is what Nier was to you. 
Oh, I, I don't think you dislike Breath of the Wild as much as I dislike Nier, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll move on from that. I think I might. <laughs> Brett, I, I'm, I, I don't think I said this in the spoiler ch- cat, chat, which you can listen to. It's, it's back there. We talked about this. If I wasn't playing that game for the spoiler chat and because you desperately wanted me to, I would have stopped playing about 30 minutes into the game. So, last time I played tried Breath of the Wild, I stopped playing about 30 minutes into the game. Let's go. We hate the games the same amount. <laughs> Screw those games for the opposite person. Uh, see, the thing is, is that Breath of the Wild gets to exist while a follow up of a traditional top down Zelda just doesn't get to. And that makes me sad because yeah. Link Between Worlds is. I mean, we got Link's Awakening Breath of the Wild. recently. But you know what? I'll give, I'll give you game. in this conversation, Nier probably is a little over Breath of the Wild just because of how hot 2B is. Anyway, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that man. soundtrack. Uh, soundtrack, way better. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack Actually, is... I had that playing at work the other day. I was like, this is awesome. This game rocks. Dude, the Sorry, Become As Gods soundtrack. is oh, so absolute slap. The carnival theme? So good. 10 out of 10 stuff. Oh. So good. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Moore, my, my child, he says underrated Larian Studios, which if yes. you're not aware, are the people behind uh, the recent Baldur's, um, Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3. And they also and did both of uh, the, oh, Divinity. how am I missing out on the names? Divinity. Yeah. Divinity, mm-hmm. um, Original Sin and Original Sin 2. Path of Exile is Obsidian. Wait, Did what? I break you? <laughs> Path of Exile, the ones that are the same type of game as Divinity is Obsidian. I assumed that's what you were getting confused on. That's why I clarified for you. Well, but. no, I thought Path of Exile, I thought was like a Diablo oh, style game. No, I'm sorry. Pillars of Eternity. My oh, bad. okay. Yes. That's where, and you said Path of Exile and Obsidian. And I was like, what, what do those same things have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Obsidian doesn't make that game. So I got you. I got you. Fair. <laughs> Yeah, fault. no, Pillars of Eternity is, I didn't care for it. Tried and tried. Well, All right, let's fly through these. We got, oh, over. he says, uh, under overrated is 343, which is, 100%. I don't true. know that that, I don't know that that's actually true because I don't think anybody likes 343 right now. That's a good point. Like, <laughs> they may like, low key be underrated because of how much people hate them at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll give you when Halo Infinite first launched and everybody was like high on 343 because the game was actually great. I mean, it had issues, but everyone just gave them the, like the benefit of the doubt that they'd be fixed within two weeks, and here we are, yeah. like a year later. A year later, <laughs> we should play more Halo. Let's play some Halo soon. I'd be willing. Yeah, but uh, we have Richard Schaefer. He says overrated Bioware from Soft. And what a hot take that is! Aggressive take. It's weird. I think Bioware is overrated now. Like I don't think Bioware has put out anything worthy of their namesake for an entire console generation. Maybe this is a weird take, but I think Bioware throughout the course of their studio has been properly rated the whole time. Uh, that might be fair. They've gone from top tier developer to dumpster trash, and I think <laughs> that's properly rated for Bioware. Like I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> And yet you're still excited for Dragon Age and Mass Effect returning because that's how important those series are. I will play both of those, but 
I played Andromeda. I'm not excited for anything Bioware does. I'm excited to see if it's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have a few more we'll grab. We won't get to them all just because of the nature of, of what this is. But I like this next one. Uh, we have uh, from Richard Safer still. He says underrated Hello Games and Pixel Opus, which I think are both games. I would argue that Hello Games is not underrated anymore. I no. think the majority of their lifespan they were, but I think that no studio has as much goodwill and fan love as them. I think even people who don't like No Man's Sky like Hello Games because of how they treated No Man's Sky and its player base. Uh, Pixel Opus, amazing. I really like Pixel Opus. Uh, and I'm really curious to see what they're doing next. I am sad that, as the news will eventually say, it doesn't seem like they're working on what everybody thought they were working on. Or maybe they were and it just got canceled and it's not happening. Uh, there was rumor that they were working on Sly. And as the intro might have clued you into, Sly's been canceled. Anyway. Mm. Um, so it has some leakers. <laughs> overrated game. He says Beat Saber and anything Souls or Bloodborne or Fallout in the title. Fight me. And then underrated game, Mad Max, Astrobot Rescue Mission, and The Order 1886. Mad Max is a really weird game. I loved it for about t- 15 to 20 hours. And then I became so hard disinterested in that game. I couldn't care. Yeah. I was like, this game is, it's exactly what I was talking about. It's open world full of shit that does not matter. And it constantly wants you to stop and mess with it. And I don't care. I just wanted to see the story. I, after about 20 hours in, I was like, yeah, the open world's boring now. It's just go here, climb this, beat a few dudes, get some gas, go back to your car, drive a little bit more. Oh, you need more gas, beat up some dudes. Okay. <laughs> Look, you get to a that point. sounds like Mad Max to me, though. I'm I not disagreeing it. with you, but hey, but Mad Max as a two-hour film versus as a forty-hour game, big difference. Don't disagree. Big. I'm just saying aesthetically <laughs> consistent. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> not yeah, providing enough. a value judgment on it. I refuse to address now, Richard, anything that he said. So. You tug my heartstrings as you say the order eighteen eighty six as I know that you're aware of because I love that game Ugh. and it is. I, know. I would say whether or not that game is amazing, I will argue that that game is underrated. I do think that that's a good use of the word underrated. No, sure, because yeah, <laughs> clearly it's a ten out of ten, right? Oh, way better than so, Breath of the Wild. Sir uh, Sweet Grand Turismo Jones over on Twitter says overrated is Bethesda. <laughs> underrated is Bugbear. Who I don't know who Bugbear is. Do you know who Bugbear is? I think Bugbear might be the people behind uh the um what is that actual um the game's called? It's the ones where you drive the trucks and pull stuff around. Um Oh, like they made flat out. If I remember right, hold on, I'm 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 googling right now. Yeah, okay, it's the yeah Snowrunner. I thought it was them. They made flat out for sure. They made uh, Wreckfest, and of course, Wreckfest is one that we've seen recently. And they made um, flat out. They made Ridge back in the day. They did make a Ridge Racer. Yeah, I haven't Um, played any of the games. The last game was Wreckfest. No judgment. I have Wreckfest downloaded and I keep forgetting. Flat Out 1 and 2 are fantastic games. I really like them. Um, I never played any of the other ones. I did play Ridge Racer, uh, Ridge Racer Unbounded. Not for like a, a bunch, but I do remember that game. Yeah. <clears throat> Is that the like the Ridge Racer one? No, that was a PSP game. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That was a PS3 launch. 
Oh, was it PS3 launch? Either way, it was around that time. No, uh, Unbounded is like 2011, 2012, something like that. Gotcha. Later game. Ridge Racer. <laughs> I mean, Casa Rai is where it's at. You sound like you got some dog problems. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on, but it's... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Chris. We understand. <laughs> All right. Flying through the rest of... Uh, of Ryan's, he says, overrated game, God of War 2018, and underrated Dragon's Dogma. Still haven't played Dragon's Dogma. I think about it all the time, and I know he loves it. And I have other friends. My son, Jonathan, loves it. Uh, he's told me to play it. I just never gotten around to it. It's weird. God of War 2018 is a fantastic game, and I love the death. I love it to death. But I actually, I, I don't know. I think I, I agree. Think, I think of that game as a masterpiece. But I also think that most games that I view of as masterpieces that are still beloved by everyone else still tend to be like, all right, guys, calm down. They're not that good. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's got Do I absolutely think you should play the game? You should. But yeah, it's just funny. It's a game that I loved while I was playing it, and I never want to play again. I tried, and I'm just like, nope, no thanks. I've debated replaying it, right? And I think that game may have Breaking Bad Syndrome mm-hmm. where we've talked about, I know you and I have, where it's like the thought of rewatching it makes you think that the rewatch is going to make you dislike it some, for some reason because like it was so <laughs> special the first time around Yeah, that it's like anything, anything less than the exact way I felt about it the first time is a disservice to the game. Therefore, I would rather have the version of the game that exists in my memory than the version that will exist in my memory after I've replayed it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. It's kind of like with keeping that special feeling the first time. Like, I feel like games like Journey have that too, where it's like that game was kind of an emotional experience. And I don't want to touch that again. You know, just to well, maintain like, that. Yeah, you, you can't relive that moment. No. Like, you can't. And there's, it's there's nothing it's the, like finishing Journey and then seeing like all your friends, like 420 Smoke Weed 69 was playing with you and, you know, all those kind of things. Like there's no, there's nothing better. Than that. Yeah. It's some moments. Sometimes it's a, it's a time and place thing, you know, like I still would think that if you played journey today, you would have a good time with it. Uh, but oh, yeah. thank you to everyone who, uh, who gave us answers. Sorry, we couldn't get to all of them. We kind of went on a little longer than I anticipated. Um, Brett, what's your answer? Uh, yeah, I think, when I think of overrated games, you're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild is probably one of the most recent examples that comes to mind. Um, but if other I really want to dig, I know other games exist. It's just <laughs> because I know you I know you understand what I mean because of the way people talk about Nier Automata, but even Nier Automata with its honestly huge success is still not doesn't still see the same internet fervor that Breath of the Wild does. So I know you get what I mean. Like when you've played a game, and you're kind of like, ah, you know, like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically the best way I could say. Um, but when I really want to think about, it, it's weird because it's, it's, I think, I, I don't want to say this wrong because I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think Grand Theft Auto V is an overrated game. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to, I mean, really, the, the reason I think it's overrated is I think Grand Theft Auto as a franchise is overrated, if I'm being honest. And I like a lot of the games. <clears throat> That's my hot take for the episode. That's definitely a take. 
Yeah. Do you want to know what my underrated game is? Yeah, I want to know what your underrated game is. <laughs> my underrated game is... Hmm. This is like a hard to commit to thing, right? It's like right. Oh, whatever I say exists out. Um, really odd to throw out there, but I, I quite enjoyed the game, so it's going to come to mind. And I don't want to immediately say the order eighteen eighty six, which is obvious for me. Uh, there's a game I played that's on PS four. It was really cool and really cute in the way that everything came together, and it's a little indie game not much behind it but it's a game called omen sight and i like the game a lot i thought it had a really cool world i think it's an underrated game i'm going so underrated that you've probably not heard of it (laughs) no idea what that even is it was like borderline a pretentious ass answer but i like that (laughs) well hey chris i own it digitally in case you want to download it and play it (laughs) sure i'll try it just for you but look at you okay all right so my answer was um, overrated for both. It was Blizzard, and I bet you can guess what my game is for overrated games. I feel like actually there's more options than I would expect, given me. But is it Red Dead Two? Oh, it's 100% Red Dead Two. Fuck that game. <laughs> um, and then underrated. Uh, it's funny. It's funny because I know Ryan right now as he's listening is just like that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Because he put an exact, he responded to me in a in a tweet when he was talking about his suggestion for the community's take, and his exact words. And I got to go find out. I don't remember if I copied it in here. I just thought it was so funny. As he said, uh, matter of fact, if that's too much, cut the Red Dead Redemption online example. I can't stand to hear your boy act like Red Dead Redemption is trash again. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption is not for me. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've tried. I spent $80 on it, that game. It's funny. It. I almost chose Red Dead as my overrated game. And I decided that Grand Theft Auto was the better choice for me because I really think that there's less that I like about Grand Theft Auto. And yeah. I don't, I, I see less that I'm like, okay, I understand why people are in love with this. Whereas Red Dead has such amazing elements. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a better way to make Red Dead 2. That doesn't involve. It's exactly the same critique I gave to Breath of the Wild. Make the world smaller so that it's more memorable. If you sped up everything that happens in Red Dead 2 by 25%, that game's probably a 10. <laughs> like I'm I'm being dead serious. <laughs> well, there you go, Ryan. The good flip side of this is that. He sees the potential for a 10 out of 10. It just takes somebody modding it on PC. Well, no, here's the thing. I'm so passionate about how much I dislike Red Dead 2 because I see another, like, in the multiverse out there, there's a Chris who is just jerking off to Arthur Morgan at all times. But it's just not this universe. You live in the wrong universe for that. But the snow Yeah, there's a lot I liked liked about Red Dead. I wish I liked it. Yeah, I, I like some of it too. The, the, the gameplay, the story, the graphics. I, I lied. I don't know why I said gameplay first. because We all know that's a lie. But the, the graphics, the gameplay, all I said it again. The graphics and the story, incredible stuff. Um, but my yeah. underrated was Insomniac and maybe Hot Take, uh, the Ali Ali series. Very underrated series of games. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I can... 
I told you before, Ollie Ollie never just clicked with me. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it was like it was exactly what you're talking about. I played for like 15 minutes and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm like, it's not doing I'm it for right. me today. And uh, I just never touched it again. So I don't have strong opinions on it. Uh, developer wise, I think overrated almost has. It's weird because like I want to give it to Rockstar as a nature of everything that they do. Everybody just, it's so weird to me because. It's clearly not true what I was about to say, which is that everybody just slobbers all over everything they do because Rockstar as a publisher, maybe that's the difference between a developer and a publisher. Rockstar as a publisher put out that god-awful trilogy of Grand Theft Auto and everyone gave them the rightful hell they deserve for it. Sure. I think it's all right, but that's just me. Sure. I'll give you that. Do I think that... I shouldn't say rightful because some of the stuff was like downright nasty, but expectations over what that should have been from a some from a studio slash publisher with the resources that Rockstar has, there's no reason that should be what we got. I would agree with that. That's 100% true. Given how if you're telling those games me, are, they should have tried harder. Yeah, no, if you're telling me that, and I love Shadow of the Colossus, but if you're telling me Shadow of the Colossus, a very niche PS2 game, deserves the remake that it got, and you're telling me that Grand Theft Auto 3... Vice City and San Andreas, three of the landmark PS2 titles that set the world ablaze for and set the gaming precedent for how uh, open worlds are supposed to work or sandboxes at the very least. That those games don't deserve something on at least the same level as uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake. You're out of your mind. I agree with that. Like, how is it that Shadow remake and Demon Souls, both great niche games, get way better remakes <laughs> than Grand Theft Auto? I How's wish that I possible? Knew. It's insane. <laughs> so, you know why it's possible? Because they know the game's overrated. Mm-hmm. And that means that they could put out anything and it'll still sell. You know, we could do a nice, sweet transition into the news because there's news about GTA and their reports. Ooh, yes, there is actually. So I guess there's no time like the present to go ahead and hop into those news. And that is actually in regard to Rockstar apparently shelving remakes slash ports, depending on how it's going to be, maybe remasters of Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption to focus on getting their new Grand Theft Auto title, the cleverly named Grand Theft Auto 6, out of the door. <laughs> Rumors also indicated that the disastrous to some release of the Grand Theft Auto Definitive Editions allowed Rockstar to make the argument that investing in the ports was a bad idea. This is where I got to throw shade towards Rockstar. Investing in remakes and remasters and ports is not a bad idea. Investing in a studio that you know cannot deliver the product that people are going to expect or giving mm-hmm. it the budget to make it what people are going to expect is the bad idea. I t- guarantee you, if Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption 1 both got ports of you know remasters to current gen systems with 60 frames per second options, 4K resolution options, and some quality of life improvements and ran well and looked great, or if they even got remade from the ground up, if they remade Red Dead 1 and Red Dead 2's engine like The Last of Us is doing right now, people would slobber all over that and buy that so hard. Oh, yeah. It would be worth the money. 
You just don't want to invest in it and you don't want to pull people off of Grand Theft Auto 6 in order to make these titles where you can do it internally. So instead, you're what you're arguing is that it's not worth doing because you'd have to pay someone else to do it and you don't want to pay someone to do it well. My argument before would have been do the smart thing that everyone else is doing and go hire someone like, I don't know, Blue Point Games. Yeah. To remake your game. If you wanted to, there's no reason in 2019 after Red Dead 2's massive success, you could have been like, hey, we've partnered with Blue Point. They're going to remake Red Dead 1. I mean, well, clearly they were already on something, but point being, the, but you'd think, it exists. But they don't even, they didn't even have to remake them, just port them. I don't want a remade GTA 4. I want a port of GTA 4 without online. Well, choices. you want a remaster. You want a remaster? No. Because the reality play, is, you're, no. you're right. People would still pay for a port. You're right. But the expectation would still be that you're getting to play the game and you're buying it again because there's something fresh about it. And the something fresh is that this game is exactly as you remember. It's still all the same gameplay systems and everything. It just looks and runs better than PS3 or 360 could ever do. I would legitimately play the same game again. That's why I don't understand it. Like you don't need to put this fresh coat of paint and make Tommy Versetti look like he was drawn in Comic Sans. You just need well, that's to... not even hard. No, you kn- <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I, you just don't. You just don't need to do it. Like if you're gonna, re- I I think first off, I think the reason they don't remake those games in the Red Dead Two engine or the Rage engine, whatever it's called, is because those games ported and put in that engine and modernized would make their newer games look worse. So I don't think they'll ever do that. Um, That's a bold take. Yeah. San Andreas would blow GTA five out of the water. That game is incredible. I I platinum during the pandemic. I platinum the the PS2 version. Incredible game. Way more fun than GTA five. I love GTA five. But I think that's one of the reasons they would never do that because it would just make them look worse. Yeah. I don't know. I just, there's no reason. Just put out the games again. I don't care. I don't, that's the thing. I hate that video games has realistically just become about graphics because I do not give a shit if GTA 4 looks any better. In fact, I kind of don't want it to look any better. That's not part part of the nostalgia for me is how that game looks and how that game feels. Just let me play it on PS5. Just let me play it on PS5. That's all I want. Right. (laughs) My argument there, realistically, is that the reason that remasters are the preferred way for most people on that is because remakes say this as well, and they're not entirely wrong, and a lot of remakes try hard to get to this point. But the reason people like remasters is because realistically, a remaster makes you feel like you're playing the game in the same way as you were the first time you were playing it because it feels more right. Whereas right now, right? If we mm-hmm. think about playing Grand Theft Auto 4 on our modern 4K TVs, yours. And I'm not saying you can't do that. You can. But you know the difference between when you first played Grand Theft Auto 4 on either a 480p 4.3 TV or a 720p or 1080p HD TV that the resolution was way closer to native on. And so the game looked good because it worked with the TV and the times. Now, if you take that same 720p game and you blow it up and stretch it out onto a 4K TV and fill the screen, it's going to look worse. And you're going to be like, I don't, some people, not all, some people are going to be like, I don't remember this game looking that bad. And so 
the reason the reason I think remasters work for most people is because it helps them play the game that they feel like plays exactly and looks exactly like their memory gave them. But the reality is, is that someone just said, hey, yeah, we're going to, even if all we're doing in the remaster is just up the game, we're not redoing any textures, the geometry of the game will be rendered at 4K resolution. That's not hard to do. And if you think about what happened with the Grand Theft Auto trilogy, the problem was that they remade those games in the Unreal Engine. I don't know if you remember that or not. Mm-hmm when they were going through. So for anybody who wonders how that game can get botched so hard, it's because they weren't ports. They were remakes of a game where they had to rebuild parts of these games that you expected and it did not work the way you anticipated. And it's, uh, who knows why they opted to do that. It sounded great idea on paper when they first announced it. I was like, that'll be awesome. But it's not. Anyway, you have Grand Theft Auto 4 in your hand as I can clearly see. So you you have a point you wanted to make with it. Yeah, the point is, I've played it on my TV. It looks fine. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But that's why I made sure to the, point out that other no, people may not be as forgiving. I get as you. you. I think what I'm saying is, in lieu of getting nothing, just port it. That's more what I'm saying. It's not a matter of like, I don't want a remake or a remaster. I would shit myself to see Nico Bellic in the Red Dead 2 engine play that game and do freaking Four Leaf Clover. If, if anyone has played Grand Theft Auto 4, you know what I'm talking about with Four Leaf Clover, the best mission in Grand Theft Auto history. Just to play that in a new engine, incredible stuff. But I would still rather play it than not be able to play it. So I would take that version. When you sent this news to me, like the actual article for this the other day, yeah, I could not believe like my biggest thing was like Rockstar of all people think this is a bad idea. Rockstar who have all the money and the backing of 2K who have all the money say that they can't they don't think it's a good idea to pay someone to port a game that would sell hotcakes if all they do is meet a bare minimum quality threshold. And it's, I don't get the disconnect and I guess maybe it's because they don't think the general public realizes that the Grand Theft Auto trilogy was way worse because of it being a remake and a different Mm. engine and having to rebuild it. If they would just look at marketing and and say, do everything we can, go out on press junkets and let's say that, hey, here you are. This is not the same as Grand Theft Auto Trilogy. This is a remaster of the game that you love. We're not trying to go in and remake it in a new engine. All we're doing is bringing the same exact game you love to modern consoles with a modern resolution and a modern frame rate. And that is it. And I think it would still work. Because the the other argument for your thing is that there are going to be people who don't want to pay the forty to sixty dollars they're going to ask for, maybe even seventy, for those remasters without the games. Like people would rather pay forty for a remaster, even sixty for a remaster, than forty to twenty or whatever it be for just a port, because then it feels like at least you're spending money on a game you've already played that looks yeah. and runs better. But even if you charge twenty bucks for it. And it sells 10 million copies. That $200 million is better than the zero you're getting right now. You ain't getting any money for Grand Theft Auto 4 right now. I bought my copy yeah, on true. eBay. I ain't pay for it. So, like, what are you, why are you complaining about? Just sell it. Anyway. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with that in particular? No, sir. I know you're a much bigger Rockstar fan than me. I the thing it. about Rockstar for me is most of the games I love, love from Rockstar are games I don't even try and mess with anymore. I thought yeah, Manhunt like was tennis. awesome. Table Tennis is actually a great game. Incredible. Game. Midnight Club. 
Midnight Incredible. Club Los Angeles is is one of the best racing games of all time. It's so fun. I was reading something today about they this don't care. They, they 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 did. I I don't know. Excuse me. How true this is, but I was reading that they knew how bad the ports were and were fine with it because then people would stop asking them to port other games. But you have so much. You guys have in a month conspiracy. They make they make enough money on GTA Online to pay, to build and pay top talent for an entire studio to remake these games. So it doesn't make any sense. One month of GTA. I was going to say that a second ago. That's what I was about to say a second ago. Is at this point, why not just hire the people in to do it internally? If you want to have a bigger hold, like hold on the quality level, right? Like, all right, we're going to just pay people to come in. Then, oh no, you disbanded the team and they're all gone. (laughs) Like, whatever. Why wouldn't they just take their top talent and put them on Grand Theft Auto Six, which has the potential to be their next Grand Theft Auto Five? Yeah, but hire someone. Hire the lead. Not that I want this to happen, but hire the lead designer at Blue Point. The head of that studio be like, yeah, we'll pay you ten million dollars a year. Just make this game for us, then fuck off back to Blue Point, like something like that. Like, <laughs> you know, just do that. Like, have someone pay someone to make remake all these games, triple your money tenfold. I, that was not the right way to say that, but make your money, <laughs> <laughs> triple your money tenfold. <laughs> I mean, I guess what you're saying is triple it, then do that 10 more times. Real, Yeah, it works because put out table tennis, RDR1, uh, GTA 4, Midnight Club, and um, what's the one they put out? The mall shooter game, which is probably wouldn't fly in 2020. You know what? State of emergency. Put all those games out oh, yeah. and then close that studio and move on. And you make all your money back plus, again, tenfold. 30-fold, I guess, if you're going to listen to what I said before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Anyway, next piece Uh, of news. Hit me. Yeah, we have Bungie, the Washington team that is soon to join Sony's family, is apparently making a mobile game for NetEase. NetEase made a $100 million investment in the live service juggernaut back in 2019, as you may remember, and that apparently is coming to pass with a game on the small screen. The collaboration of the two is apparently a mobile game that supposedly has been in development for two years. The rumors come from the Game Post, which discovered the game via the LinkedIn of a NetEase developer who had the collaboration with Bungie publicly available there. Obviously, no details of the game have been released, but it remains to be seen if this is the rumored matter or something else entirely. And just because the next piece is already there, sticking with Bungie, they finally sussed out the mystery that devastated the YouTube community earlier this year. If you hadn't heard, many in the Destiny community were receiving copyright strikes on their videos on behalf of Bungie. The situation became so bad that the developer issued a statement in March that these were not done by the team or anyone affiliated. Now the truth has finally been brought to the traveler's light. <laughs> Destiny's com- Destiny community member Nick Miner, a.k.a. Lord Nazo, was behind the attack on creators. He created multiple Gmail accounts and struck down videos seemingly at random. While Nazo, Nazo, in some small way, did a great service in pointing out the flaw in YouTube security, he will pay dearly. Hopefully, the uh, Lord Nazo managed to save some money during his career, considering he's now on the hook for seven point seven million dollars. Because I guess he has to pay for every back, like everything that got hit when it shouldn't have. That's crazy. Probably, yeah, it's messed up. Dude's gone. Sorry, Lord Nazo. Um, oh, I didn't put this in the news because I forgot. But the reason he was angry is because he put up just straight up the music from Destiny on his channel, got copyright struck, and refused to take it down. 
So then he went on a warpath over doing something objectively wrong. <laughs> so, something that cool you move. know is le- legally unscrupulous. Like Exactly. Like Bungie did nothing wrong. <laughs> That's so dumb. Uh, sad. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Bungie. Maybe let me take a step back. I still don't have a strong sense of positive energy around phone gaming. No. And it's something I've been trying to think of with things like Diablo Immortal and find where the disconnect is because it's clearly not just me, but I'm really, I was kind of on a quest for a while to figure out like, is this strictly because of outside forces of the internet slowly but surely creating an association with my mind that phone gaming has to be inherently bad? Because I don't think that's true. I've had some really cool phone gaming experiences but I just feel like they're few and far between. And I feel like most phone games exude the worst qualities of what you find in the bottom of the barrel games that they put onto the PlayStation Network and Xbox stores like Life of Black Tiger and stuff. Now, they may not be exact same, but they're lifeless games like that Dungeon Hunter Alliance that I mentioned earlier in the episode. They're clones of something else most of the time. And now with big publishers getting in, it's new entries and series that have been around for a long time or remasters or remakes of old games that you can play on phones. And it kind of just feels like not all phone gaming is bad, but I feel like the vast majority of phone gaming is just more unoriginal. And maybe what I really was thinking is maybe that's because I can spot the bad in phone gaming so much quicker and easier because so many more people have it. And so you get a bigger grasp of that, but I'm so involved in console gaming that I feel like that lack of quality that's on phone gaming isn't in the console space, but it actually is. And I'm just more blind to it because I'm so keen on keeping up with the height of the industry and the things that get newsworthy that I don't notice the things that suck (laughs) that don't get it. But I would still argue that consoles being a little bit more of a walled garden does help to have seemingly less of that than phones do. Do you, would you agree? Or what do you think, Chris? I mean, do do you feel like there's a reason that you can put your finger on as to why you don't like mobile gaming? Um, I don't even, I wouldn't even say I don't like mobile gaming. I just think that the games that are the vast majority of the games are not very good. So when things stick out, it, it elevates those things. But I think you're looking at a lot of like grandma ate my baby simulator 2023. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what 90% of the app store is. And then you have stuff like Monument Valley or KOTOR or Slay the Spire. Dude, Monument you know? Valley is so good. It's awesome. Oh, I love that game. That, uh, an ordinary phone, um, uh, Great game. Unpacking, I think, was originally a phone game before it came to consoles. It was. There are clearly interesting titles to have there. And even ones from way back, like uh, Rayman Jungle Run and whatnot, were actually good games. And they were auto runners that were somehow managed to still be fun and engaging. Uh, So they exist. But yeah, it's few and far between. Um, Yeah. This one's going to be weird. My phone battery already is like at a premium. (laughs) It's because you have an Android. 
I, it's it's really because I I keep my 120 hertz screen on constantly. That'll and do. And I'm on my phone a lot, and that really hits. <laughs> it really That'll hits do, hard. donkey. But my phone typically is like around 15% by the end of the day and I'm on it a lot. And on days where like we do Yu-Gi-Oh night and I'm using it for life points counter, my phone dies almost every Thursday around like nine o'clock. Um, point being I is notice. I'm not going to waste my phone's battery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to waste my phone's battery to play games on it 99% of the time. I, that's why I'm a big proponent for dedicated gaming handhelds. Something that you can take with you that you can, that are easy to pull out and play. That's why I love the Vita for so long and I still do. And I still think it's far more easy to carry around than the Switch is. Cause you can just pull it out, play it. The battery life is dedicated to gaming. So you don't feel weird playing it because the whole point is to play it so that it dies because you're playing games. Whereas if I, if my phone died because I was playing games and I couldn't text or call someone that I actually needed to, I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think that's part of it. Imagine you're like, I'm sorry, honey, I couldn't call you or because I was on my phone playing Fruit Ninja all day. And <laughs> I'm sorry that your car ran out of battery, but Fruit Ninja. <laughs> I'm sorry oh, you couldn't God. reach me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what that comes around to. Uh, next piece of news, though, more PSVR leaks are hitting the real verse. God. <laughs> <laughs> First, earlier this week, indie developer BitPlanet Games tweeted a picture of the unit and the controllers. It's nothing we haven't seen before, but it was cool to see the unit in the flesh or, you know, on the screen, on the subunit, in the on level. the digitizer. <laughs> now, now, manufacturer Toby has said that Sony licensed their eye tracking tech for the unit. Sony mentioned that they were putting this feature in the unit, but now we have confirmation on where the tech is coming from. So if you've been excited for that, a little bit more details. I'm excited for PSVR 2, but like realistically excited. I don't really know how to describe that other than that. I've got my Oculus out actually right here because I, I'm, I'm strongly debating because we haven't heard anything yet. I'm strongly debating whether I want to start playing Half-Life Alex. <laughs> Just do it on this, or if I want to wait for the inevitable PlayStation version. So that's where we are. I mean, worst case scenario, you be off like Alex on PC and love it, and then you're like, I don't need a guide for this platinum. I've already done it. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you can vindicate so. yourself. Yeah, maybe. But it's still cool. I'll wait to see what PSVR brings to the table whenever, or PSVR 2 brings to the table once it finally is here. But until then, there's no worse, it's no time needed to uh, debate over whether it'll be good or not. I think it's just Sony's told us what we need to know. Now we just got to see it in action. I feel like VR, more than anything, is that you've got to see it in action because of how much you're invested in it whenever you put it in your head. If it doesn't work, you know almost immediately. Uh, but next thing up, uh, as we kind of talked about a few times, Sucker Punch has addressed rumors around the studio and their IP as they were talking about 25 years or rather nearing 25 years of being a studio. Uh, rumors percolated earlier this year of a Sly 5 or at least a new Sly Cooper game. Uh, one of those rumors was that it was being developed at Pixel Opus and infamous reboots as well that were supposed to be announced at January, February, March, April, early June, and late June. You know, all those different... <laughs> no, for real, this one's going to be the one. that My my cousin at Sony 
100% said that this is the secret super state of play. We know that those <laughs> never came. Uh, anyway, the studio put out a statement saying that they're focused on their next major project, which let's be honest here, we all know is related to the Ghost of Tsushima IP. Yeah. And announced work on the servers for Infamous 2's UGC, meaning that it's still up, but they did mention that it, it does have to come to an end eventually. Yeah, it's I'm so glad I hopped in and got that platinum <laughs> when I did. Well, if you just played the game right, you wouldn't have had to do that. So that's all you're... <laughs> Also true. <laughs> but there are trophies tied to the UGC. So yeah, for anybody who are. doesn't, might be your time to hop in. Uh, the meat of the statement, however, comes with their comments on the future of the other two franchises. They say these characters are very special and near and dear to our hearts. So while we never say never to reopening those doors down the road, for now, there are no infamous or Sly Cooper games in development. Studio continues and indicates that no outside studios are developing games in either franchise. This revelation caused account NGT, the man behind these leaks, to quit life as a leaker and delete his Twitter account. Nothing similar came from the others who cooperated his made-up reports. Allegedly made-up reports. Right, sounds <laughs> pretty made-up. <laughs> hey, listen. It is what it is, all right? I'm, that, that's the end of that anyway. Um, I'm sad. Because Sly 4 ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So I need Sly 5 because my real worry is that somehow, some way, Sony's going to find a way to reboot Sly Cooper and never deal with the, the cliffhanger at the end of 4. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why, but I fucking hate that. I hate every bit of what that sounds like in my head because I want to know what happened. I yeah. need to know what happens. I got to know. I cannot express how many times a series has left me on a cliffhanger and then gotten canceled. And it, dude, it, I hate it. The, the hard, the hard times, uh, or what is it? Um, how my, how's my brain doing this? <sighs> I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. Yeah. Okay. The hard times of RJ Berger. I yeah, absolutely movie. adore that show. The season, the second season ends on such a cliffhanger, a cliffhanger that to never get any resolution to that is the worst. And I hate it. And they canceled it when I can't see any good reason, but I'm sure that there was some kind of waiting numbers. Anyway, another show that you should watch if you haven't, that was really funny. If you like kind of over the top raunchy humor is a show called uh, Todd in the book of pure evil. And that show got canceled because of some weird things going on. It was highly rated, very popular Canadian show. And it ended up getting canceled. They came back years later and finally ended up making an animated movie that's supposed to try and like wrap it all up. But the show is gold and it ends on a cliffhanger at the end of the second season. It's on Amazon Prime. If you want to watch it, I implore you watch it. It's so funny, but you have to like over the top crazy humor. And clearly the book of your evil should give away the, what type of show and stuff that you're dealing with. Um, but yes, Sony, I plead, I beg of thee. <laughs> give me Sly, Sly five. five. <laughs> I mean, and then don't end on a cliffhanger and then reboot the game. However you see fit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I know this is a hot take, but I'm totally fine with this. Move on. I mean, I'm sure. Infamous is the weird one. 
Because there's clearly no reason for them to make more infamous. There's no cliffhanger that the series has been left on. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't there? I don't remember the end of Second Son, but he just kind of gets all the powers. Because it doesn't matter. It's true. Delson sucks. (laughs) Because Second Son has a Second Son has a, a mediocre story, and of all the games, it's the only one where the the only story that makes any real sense is the good playthrough. The evil playthrough is so comically stupid. <laughs> and they don't even bother changing the lines. The fact that your brother tells you he's proud of you, no matter what you've done in that game, yeah. is so stupid. It's like it, When you've been a good person, despite the fact that you were clearly like a troubled youth who like was misunderstood, him telling you that he's proud of you in that moment feels earned and it feels mm-hmm. good. And then when I immediately played that second thing and I'm like, bro, I just murdered 80 people for no yeah. other reason than that I that, wanted to do it. Exactly. <laughs> That's why like a little bit off topic, but I love Fallout 3 so much because spoilers for 2008's Fallout 3. If you if you blow up uh, Megaton and then go talk to your father uh, when you save him from um, the VR thing, I can't remember what it's called, I think it's Pleasantville. He looks mm-hmm. at you and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, who are you? And I love that. Yeah. It's awesome. I like that. I, I like little moments like that. I like when stories build towards stuff like that. But Infamous 1 and 2 had completely different cutscenes and reactions based off of how you acted and how people reacted to the way that you acted. And it feels so dumb to have the story be basically the same at that particular pivotal moment. It's like, you know how much more of a gut punch it would have been if in the good story Reggie's like I'm proud of you and then let and then sacrifices himself but in the bad story he doesn't sacrifice himself because he has no motivation to do so and he tells you that you disgust him or even worse can you imagine the gut punch and that you're trying to save him and he's so disgusted by you that he lets go of your hand on purpose because he would rather die than be saved by his monster of a brother that would be great that that would have been a moment my hope um, I know that people will hate this and this is like half a joke, but my hope is that in like Spider-Man 4 they do a shocker storyline and it's just Cole. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be so cool. I'm, I'm not even kidding. That would be there's no reason for that to happen because why would Spider-Man have anything to do? Insomniac did not make Cole. But this it, is why you take advantage. Pull, yeah. Why not? You know? Why not? <laughs> yeah, because it would be kind of neat. Like they do a multiverse thing. I know multiverse is like the cheat code in all fiction now. But they do a multiverse thing, yeah. and your first inter Spider Man three ends, and like shockers this joke of a character you beat him up, throw him in the raft or whatever. But then Spider Man four starts, and it's Cole and evil Cole, and he's like, "Where's Zeke?" And then you have to fight him. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, "I'm trying to get back to New Murray. and this was his New York. He's a spider guy. I would be super into that game. Won't happen, but it would be cool. Never say never. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Who knows at this point? Anything's possible. Never stop never stopping. Okay? (laughs) Incredible movie. I'm going to tell you, I've actually never watched it, but I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I need to watch it. It's so good. It's so funny. They have a thing with Seal in that movie that's incredible. It's so catchy. Every song on that soundtrack it's so catchy <laughs> my favorite one is the fuck off <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not really but i like that one a lot um 
All right, we are going to continue on. Tom Henderson, writer for Xputer, a new entry on your quote, where is Tom writing articles today? <laughs> Bingo card <laughs> says that Sony was primed to show God of War Ragnarok on June 30th. Henderson leaks details of multiple collector's editions, both of which include a replica of Thor's hammer, the more expensive version containing other bits and bobs that somehow increased the price by hundreds, as <laughs> is tradition. Uh, we're unsure why Sony decided to hold off, but Jason Schreier of Bloomberg speculated that it was influenced by Roe v. Wade for some reason. There is still no word from Henderson and Sony themselves on when God of War is releasing, but ha-ha, scratch, scratch, guess what came Outdated. out today? <laughs> if we would have actually recorded yesterday as we normally would have, yeah. this would have been accurate would have been great and then while everyone was listening they'd be like what do you mean god of war just got a release date we now know that god of war is releasing in november and that the collector's editions are uh going to be around and you can start to pre-order them starting july 15th and that game launches on november 9th so uh the moral of the story is Bully people and you get what you want. <laughs> back up, back Don't up. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do it. I agree with Corey. Don't bully developers. They're normal people that are doing their job and they don't get to determine when something comes out necessarily. They don't get to determine when it's announced that something comes out and everybody needs to chill the fuck out. That's really where we're at. Chill out, let people live their lives and do their jobs. And to let them be thankful that they get to do a job that they enjoy, like making games. Just because you hate delivering mail in the mall that you work at, I don't know, whatever whatever it is that you hate doing at your job, just because you hate flipping burgers or walking dogs, whatever it be, don't push that on them, okay? Don't make them hate their job. Don't do it. That's where we are. All right. I agree. Next thing up. Skate 4 is still being worked on, or Skate, however it's coming back. Uh, EA is allowing people to sign up for a private alpha of the game, and as of writing this piece, uh, the sign-ups are still ongoing. There's all That's all there is to it, but Brett has something to say. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're welcome. What do you want to say? <laughs> um, I hope I get chosen. That's my main thing I want to say. That was it? <laughs> nah. I, you laughed at the trailer, but honestly... What I have to say about this is entirely based on something we've talked about a few times on the show. This idea of being transparent to this level with a game and just saying like, listen, we know you're asking about the game. Here's a little, here's a video of what it looks like right now. And you get to see how unpolished it looks, which is fine. You get to see what we're working on and why, how our ideas are being used and we're inviting you to play it so that you can give us feedback about what you think this series means to you and that we can use collective pools of information to see what the most important things that people want in these games are. And we can use that in a way that can influence how we choose to design features that are still fun for us to come up with, but has the input of the people who it's going to impact the most, which is the audience. And I think that this game has the potential to be the first real execution of letting people in on a game incredibly early so that you can make sure your final product has the highest chance of pleasing the audience that you were actually trying to target. And this might make a shift in the gaming industry, maybe a shift for the better, depending on the game. I think a game like skate is prime time for it because there's no story typically. And the Mm. story is more like a, it's just a, it's just a scenario that you're working your way through. You know, it's like, it's it's your story. It is, 
But, you know, it's always something flimsy like, oh, you got signed to a skater thing and now you get to go around (laughs) and, you know, it's fun and I enjoy it, but it's not, there's no stakes. The reason I think some games don't do this and are are so scared to do this is because a game like God of War Ragnarok, their only way of being open and consistently giving people a chance to do something would have to be creating something that's not even going to be in the final game. Like, oh, sign up for Combat Alpha, where all we do is let you play Kratos in a white room with enemies and you let us know how you feel about the way things... You know what I mean? It's like story is such a big part of those games that that's inherently part of what people would be wanting to see. So it makes the need for transparency not there in the same way because it's like your transparency can't include spoiling the game. Well, I would... You know what, though? I would be interested in like a developer being like, this is the story so far. What do you think? Story so far, maybe. Maybe if the alpha was like, this is the way the game starts. But even then, right? It depends on the game. Sometimes the start of the game is not a good... I don't know. It's hard to put. It's hard to figure out where to put a vertical slice that gives people an idea but doesn't completely give everything away. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, nothing. I don't remember. <laughs> It's all good. Okay. All right. Next thing up, we've already talked about Rockstar. Uh, we have already talked about <laughs> Dad Simulator, God of War Ragnarok, and its release dates. Uh, if you want to know, it does have four editions, two of which are physical collector's editions. Um, and then, of course, your digital collector's edition, yep. which stupid. Digital Deluxe. Don't you want Sorry, an art book that you can only look at on your PS5 where you could just play the game with the art that's in the game? Why would you pay? I, I'm, I'm not judging anyone who does it. I don't understand the value. No, I don't either. I don't, that's Some people where like I'm them skins, baby. Ugh. It's weird, man. Some of the things that they give used to be things that you'd get for free. Like, I remember Mm -hmm. the Shadow of the Colossus Eco uh, remaster bundle that Bluepoint did on on PlayStation 3. You could play the game or you can go directly below and there was a secondary folder that you could open when the disc was in and there was like a making of documentary showing how they went about looking at each game and remaking it and doing everything. And there was like an art book. All these things are already on the disc. Why is that something now that I would pay this much more money for when there's nothing of value added into that? I don't understand. Well, to be fair, God of War did give a free documentary. Good point. (laughs) Yeah, so sorry, bud. Fair point. Uh, Forspoken. As we're talking about things, uh, Forspoken got more disappointing news as the company announced that the game would be delayed until January 24th, 2023. They indicate the game is in its final stages and delay is mostly due to a want to polish the game a bit more, though the actual wording on it is pretty interesting. And I want to go to it real quick. Somebody posted it earlier in the Discord and I just thought the wording so interesting. It says, as a result of ongoing discussions with key partners... We've made the strategic decision to move the launch date of Forspoken to January 24th, 2023. I wonder if Sony was like, yo, God of War is coming out two weeks later. You might want to delay that game. Dude, (laughs) no joke. 
I literally think that might have been it. I the fact be that this announced at the same day as God of War, I think is very telling. And I almost wonder if the reason that God of War got pulled back from being announced for with a date on the 30th was because... They could negotiate with Square. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I can see that. Brett, you want some late-breaking news? That What's the late-breaking means news? nothing. If you go to Crystal Dynamics Facebook, they have a neat new uh, cover photo and it says crystal dynamics 30 years and the interesting part is that the characters on it are raziel laura croft and gex the gecko embracer money Don't coming in big either. give me that gex remake baby well to be fair the people who bought them and i can't think of the name of the embracer company right now um you know What's the what's the sub name? It was it is it Embracer directly who bought them or was it someone else who's under Embracer? It was Embracer who bought them. Okay. Either way, Embracer at the end of the day is who bought them. But they said that they wanted to spend more time looking at their legacy IP and doing something with it. Which is True. good and bad. But it does mean that there's a very high chance we'll see something return. Give me a modernized reboot of the um, oh, Legacy of Kane or yes. the Soul Reaver series. Personally, I'm okay with you just going with Soul Reaver, but Soul Reaver is tied to Legacy of Kane. So it's kind of like a do you want to do the chicken or the egg first? <laughs> but still, that is interesting. Uh, another piece of news that I'm not sure that you actually even put into the news, you might have. Um, I know that you didn't because it's said here. It may not matter to many, but just because we happen to be there and uh, we have some cool people on our Discord who decided to uh, share it. Shafe Dog shared in the Discord that Biomutant's standalone PS5 version is confirmed for the 6th of the September. So if you've been waiting to play that game or waiting to catch it on a specific sale, it is a free upgrade for PS4 owners. So personally, I encourage you to play the game. Is it perfect? No, but it has a ton of charm, and I really enjoyed it. So, I don't think that there's much else in the way of news that came today, though today was a big hit for news. A lot of stuff. (laughs) So, it was. Is what it is. I guess there is a Smite slash Nickelodeon crossover event because for some reason they're just. Smite is crossing over with it. Dude, Smite did a RuneScape crossover. Oh, you going to play some Smite? No. <laughs> All right. Maybe. I don't know. I've never played it. You're saying you Smite or you Smite not? You don't know? I Smite. I Smite not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I guess the one last thing is that uh, Valkyrie, uh, Valkyrie Elysium, the game that was shown um, during one of the most recent state of plays, I want to say, um, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it got a new release date trailer. That's that game coming to PS5, PS4, PC. Um, this came out yesterday, and it's showing the game again, and it graphically, if that's something that does matter to you, it looks a lot more polished, and the animation's a lot more smooth than what it looked like when we initially saw it. And, of course, it is coming out, apparently, on September 29th this year. So... If that's something that matters to you and you played Valkyrie Profile and you want to continue on their, your Valkyrie gaming, you can do so there. But 
I think that brings us to our final thing of the show and our main topic for the show, which is the community's take question that Ryan, one of our longtime friends, listeners, has uh, suggested. He said, in today's industry, where games are constantly evolving through patches, has a game you enjoyed ever been changed in a way that negatively impacted your feelings for it? And he goes on to give examples. Uh, He says, for me, I can think of two that I loved. Red Dead uh, Redemption Online was patched early on to speed up moment-to-moment gameplay. Things like reloading, looting, and general movement because people complained that the multiplayer was too slow. Ironically, now the game has been pretty much abandoned and has not been updated in over a year. I liked the slow, (laughs) deliberate gameplay (laughs) of the single player. This is the game that I get it now. This is the game that he was talking about. Yep, it is. It is playable on PS5. Oh, you have a real time uh, no. experience with it. <laughs> you can experience it in real time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says the other more recent example is Gran Turismo 7. Shortly after the game's release, they changed the physics to make the game more forgiving. The vocal minority of esports players from Gran Turismo Sport complained online that it was too hard slash not realistic, which got Polyphony Digital to change it to be more like sport. I welcomed the challenge, and while it hurt my fingers, I thought it was great fun. Now most of the esports players are quitting because the multiplayer features and connection issues are not to their standards. He says, while both games are still good, I'd personally be happier with them had they been left alone. If it's too long, feel free to pick one example. He just gives that. And then he, of course, mentions that Chris has trash opinions on Red Dead Redemption. Well, the only thing I have to say to that is I'm not acting like it's trash. All right. Um, so, man, that was interesting because actually, Grand Turismo Seven is a good example. You know, I was playing the game like crazy when it first came out. Yeah. Did you give up on the platinum? Yes. <laughs> Basically. Damn. That's. He was like, I can still get it. I can still get it, but I'm not. I haven't been actively seeking it. But I hadn't played because I've been busy working on a house next door, playing what little games I can elsewhere. And here lately, as I've mentioned, I've been on Switch almost entirely because. I could still watch TV with my wife while I play whatever I'm playing. And like Pokemon didn't matter. Like most of what you're playing is strictly gameplay that you don't have to worry about story. And even Monster Hunter World, you get into a world and it's like I can hunt a monster without having to think. I can still interact with my wife and have conversations with her and watch TV and absorb both of those. But the other day, my brother came over and early on, him and I would he'd come over on certain days and we'd take turns just hitting braces and I was showing him and setting him up with challenges that I thought he'd find fun that were really difficult. And I thought that I thought the difficulty of Gran Turismo seven was one of the best things about it. It's part of what made me love the game. Ironically, the game being easier, I might be able to get the platinum a little easier now because I probably can get gold on all of the final uh, license tests that I couldn't originally. Kept coming just shy of it. Um, I may try again. But the actual challenge was what I loved. And the other day, my brother came. He never got uh, to play because he hadn't gotten, he hadn't built up to that point yet. So I told him, hey, you know what? I'm just going to throw you in. I'm going to put it on one of the hard races where you've actually got to set your car up, think about what you're doing, manage your fuel using the fuel consumption thing where you turn it more lean or more more rich fuel mix. And really think about when you're going to pit if you want your tires and gas to be changed in the pit or just gas. And I'll put him on one of those races that was like 45 minutes. 
And he had a fun time doing it. And I followed him up afterwards to show him me doing it. And I did feel like the game was easier. And I couldn't at the time put my finger on whether or not they had updated the game to make it easier or if all of my time playing had had it to where even the last time I did it, I still was right at the the edge of being able to just get right back in there. So that's unfortunate. But Chris, this one's kind of weird because I don't feel like for me, there's a lot of online games that have had huge impacts. The craziest thing is my one example that I'll give has to do with non-console gaming. But you actually do play a lot of games as a service, which I think you have played and you still do on some. And those are the games that I think are the most ripe for patches having a big impact on whether you still like or don't like the game. Yes, they definitely do. Strong agree. Do you feel like you have a strong example on a time where it's actually hit you negatively? Yeah, I think um, some balance changes in Apex I don't like. Um, Well, let me rephrase. I don't mind some of the balance changes they've made. I think they're unnecessary. Um, but I don't necessarily think they made the game any worse or better. But there's stuff where, like, you know, I think season... I can't even remember what season we're on now. But they introduced a gun called the Rampage, which was low-key, like, super overpowered. But I'm of the mind that if a gun is overpowered, then just make a better gun. You know? I don't love them changing balance and stuff like that because so maybe this is off topic but if all guns are overpowered no guns are overpowered correct like would you agree with that statement yes and no it depends on where you're going with it can i expand on that yeah or i can finish my point either way well it may tie in it's it's pretty quick if every gun is overpowered in a way that feels like a similar power scope, mm-hmm. then the problem becomes the guns don't feel distinct enough. And there are games that suffer that problem where it's like every gun feels about the same power. There's something about games that look at their guns and go, the power is similar, but through different means this gun is a lot less powerful per hit, but you can get a lot more bullets out in a short period of time and you have a higher chance of being able to add that damage up that way, but it requires you being accurate, but you can be more nimble. This gun's slower and hits really hard, but you've got to make sure that you don't miss because if you do miss, all that power went to nothing. Whereas if the other game, if you miss only part of it, you still did some damage, but not enough. So I think it depends on how that comes into what you're talking about because just because I know that there's games that have suffered that fate. So for me, the reason I say it was with apex, they would do stuff like balance one gun to be more in line with these guns. But at every point in this game, guns have been changed to make less powerful or recoil patterns, blah, 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 blah from a state. So like my theory has always been that at the beginning of the season, they make the gun, the gun that they had, they add overpowered so that people want to play it and then they fix it. So, where my thought process is, is if you had never fixed any of the guns, then introducing another overpowered gun just means that the guns are all in the same spot of all being too good. So that was where I was at it, where I enjoyed Apex the most when you could do crap like put a 3x scope on the wingman. 
you know, or put a 3X scope on the R99, which I know you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, but some people will. Man, I know what a 3X scope is, but yeah. The, the wingman is like a revolver pistol. You know, okay. it's like gotcha. a, gotcha. like a born make my day kind of gun. But like a 44 Magnum? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Except apex sized. My, my thing is just, <laughs> I like it. I had more fun with, for the example of the Rampage, when it was a little broken. And I think that fixing it made it, made the, it puts the game, it puts it to a point where I think all the guns at this point kind of operate the same way. I think outside of recoil patterns, all the guns are the same. And I don't think that's fun. Yeah. I think maybe lower the drop rate of the Rampage so that it's harder to get. But when I pick it up, yo, you're screwed if I hit all my shots. You know what I mean? I, I prefer it that way. So I think when Apex did the balancing stuff, like it's great. Good for the health of the game, I guess, but I prefer they don't do it. Yeah, that was the that's the weird part. Cause like I have a friend who talks about how he hates that the gun that he used gets hit on like Call of Duty often, right? He'll be like, Oh, I really love this gun. Ah, oh, this most recent balancing uh patch did this, this, and this. And like lately he's been like I don't like the new map. He's like, you know, and they, since they, when they do the patch, they take the old map away. It means that if I don't like the new map, I don't feel as, I don't want to play as well. He's like, the last time they changed the map, he liked the new map. So things like that can impact you. But it is a weird balance uh, that you, a balancing act for the developers, because you said exactly it. When you're making a game that's meant to be played essentially all year round by as many people as you can convince to stay on it, You have to keep them happy by keeping things that they are familiar with good enough and similar enough that they continue to like that dopamine hit of something they're familiar with. But you want to introduce new things or balance things in a way that forces them out of their comfort zone just enough to where they find something new that feels fresh so that they don't start to get bored of the game. Mm-hmm. So while I agree that games are always more interesting when they have like this is it this is the finite final version of how guns are going to be balanced and you just kind of have to work around it and have fun within the system that is exactly what leads to games typically getting fallen off of because you're like i've played this game i've seen all there is to the way that the guns are done i found my favorite guns i've used my favorite guns I've done all that I can really do that feels fresh. And so they have to be like, crap, we're losing him. So now we're going to make this gun that they would have never used really good suddenly so that they'll have the, like you said, make you want to play it and use the new gun by making it powerful. And then you can do that mm-hmm. with old guns too, that pe- that you like, hi, hey, we noticed a lot of people weren't using the IMR. Okay, well, we're going to make the IMR really, we're going to change it. It's going to have a way different recoil pattern. It's going to be a lot more control. We're going to have... You know, whatever it is that you want to do, higher damage output for it, um, faster reloads on that specific gun, however the hell you want to try and flame it out. It it does help people stay playing your game. But I don't know. That's also... I like the ability to step away from games. And the problem with games like Destiny and Apex and all those games, they're constantly trying to put stuff and make you feel like you have to play it right then. And I don't really love that. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know. I think the thing for me with especially online shooters is like the the most fun I had with Apex is when they did an April Fool's event where they took the worst gun in the game, which is the Mozambique. It's a pistol shotgun and they made it broken. 
Like they changed the stats and it was the best gun in the game. And that was the most fun week where people were just doing, just dropping hot, getting two Mozambiques and just killing everyone. It was sick. And they've never, and then I think you lose that kind of stuff when you don't have a gun that is more powerful than the rest. I kind of get it because you have that, but then again, at the same time, doesn't it take away? Like, is it, is it like the Big Mac? Is it better because you only get those moments here and there and then they well, take them away from you? So you start kinda, to long for them. And then when they bring it back, you're like, oh shit, the Big Mac is back. The problem is, first you know of all, I mean? McRib, better example. But second of all, I saw my, McRib. I said Big Mac. I don't like yeah, McRib, the, so it doesn't the mean staple, anything. To me. The staple of McDonald's they take away for a week. No. Um, yes. <laughs> my, my thing is, like, I guess the short way of saying what I'm thinking is I would rather you lowered the drop rate of a broken gun than make the gun worse to put it in on par with the rest of it. Like make it 50% harder for me to find a rampage. But when I find a rampage, it's the best gun. Or when we had the meta where it was all spitfire, right? People hated that meta and I loved it because I thought it was fun. I would get the spitfire and just wreck people. But I also knew, but that was always my thing. It was like, I know that guy's got a spitfire. I'm in trouble, right? And it feels like sometimes when you think about when people play these games, they don't think that way. They're not like, they're like, oh, this guy killed me with a spitfire. He's a noob. Instead of, I just rushed a guy with the best gun in the game right now. What am I doing? Look at your, look at, look, why don't I look inside myself? Nobody does that shit. It's just like, no, go fix the game. Spitfire is broken. And they vaulted it. No, not vaulted. They put it in the care package, which is kind of the same thing. So for me, I would rather you just leave your gun balance alone and let me have fun murking dudes with broken weapons. I well, think the funny part fun. of it is, is that doing broken weapons, even as a here and there thing, is probably a good way to keep people who aren't very good at the game interested. Because mm-hmm. if you can s- suddenly shift the whole in-game paradigm and be like, this gun that nobody uses is suddenly monstrous, and so monstrous that people who usually suck at the game can come in and do really well, they get that dopamine rush of doing well, and that may make them stay when they were thinking originally of quitting playing. Because they're like, well, see, ah, I think the problem with what good. you're saying is streaming. Because that's the problem with Apex, is that you've got the top 300 players who are all streaming and then someone like me kills them because I found a Spitfire and they're like, I got killed. Yeah, by and they control dude. the meta. Yeah, they yeah. control the meta. That's the reason the Spitfire went away because regular players were able to level the battlefield with a gun that was probably too good. But the streamers were like, no, I can't hit my no scopes or I can't 360 wall jump into a into a weed smoke and then kill the guy. And it's like, dude, that, that's the point. Like, be better. Instead, they vault the, the, the Spitfire, put everyone back on the same playing field, no matter what gun you get. And then it's a worse product for someone like me who's like, I'm good at the game, but I'm not. I, you're not going to see me on Twitch unless my Twitch is guy who's crappy at Apex but is very likable is streaming Apex Legends right now. That's that's my niche. You know what I mean? It's not 20 kill games like ASU. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being long, long-winded and convoluted, but I just and kind of changed the entire community's sake a little bit. But that's where <laughs> I'm at with the Apex thing. 
it's weird because conversely, right? Let's look at the opposite side of this thing. The weird thing is, is that I feel like there are also games that through patches actually change the game in a positive way for people because I saw so many people come out of the woodworks who had zero interest in Fortnite or had lost interest in Fortnite long ago. Oh, hell yeah. Beginning of this year, whenever they did the Fortnite no thing building. where it was no building mode, I saw way more people, in my even in my personal life, day-to-day life, that's how big of a deal it was. No, I didn't see it online. I saw people who I talk to all the time who don't even normally talk about gaming be like, bro, have you played that new Fortnite no build mode? And I was like, wow, so dude, people are really into Fortnite no build mode. Um, so it's good that the converse side can exist. Um, I haven't had enough uh, GT7 experience to know how that actually feels for me, but I did notice it was a little easier. Um, I agree in that I like the challenge a lot. But a game... <laughs> This is weird because this is years, years ago. Uh, There's, okay, RuneScape. Back when it was still RuneScape 2, which at the time, you know, they called RuneScape, but it was the main RuneScape. Um, In 2012, November, they brought up a complete rework of the combat system for the game. They added things like dual wielding and basically made the game play exactly like all other MMOs where you added skill bars and you could hit the skill and then it would have to refresh. You'd have to wait until you can use it again. And that was like a make or break moment for the game. And about half of the long running fan base who had been playing the game since RuneScape 1 said, nah, I'm not feeling it. I was one of them. I tried for about two weeks. I kept playing the game and I canceled my membership because I was like, I just can't get into this and I don't like it. And it ruins what made RuneScape feel unique. Mm-hmm. And I didn't play RuneScape for a long time. They had so many players leave. So this is clearly a good example of that. They had so many players leave that their solution was to make RuneScape uh, old school RuneScape, which was just a, a server based off of the 2008 version of the game that they had, the or that was the backup that they had closest to it. Let everybody start from fresh from a separate version of the game that wasn't getting updated in the same way. And it's RuneScape; it's the one I play, and I think you've played it. I've started it, yeah. But it gets it gets updated completely separately from RuneScape Three now. RuneScape EOC went on to become RuneScape Three. And old school RuneScape still has all of the same classic things about it. And I think it can go to show how big of an impact that big changes like this can do. Now, I think that these might be bigger changes than anything Ryan was necessarily beckoning toward. But I think because I don't tend to play online games to the same degree, it was most notable in something like RuneScape, which is the most I've ever played an online game. I played that game for about five years straight and then quit entirely because of that update. Um, so it's, it's interesting. That's probably my best example. I think through the other games, but I don't think I've ever stuck with a game long enough and nor do I think games used to care about doing patches like that long enough because they weren't meant to be played for five, the next five years. They were just meant to be played for a year, year and a half until DLC came. And then the DLC was all that they had to do to, they didn't have to change the game because the DLC brought new exciting things to it. And it's like, oh, cool, new maps, maybe some new guns or whatever it be. And it's balanced because of new stuff. I feel like that's my outside looking in 
but I don't think I've ever been impacted outside of RuneScape. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Apex is really the biggest thing I can say, but it's like I said earlier in the show. If you speed up a certain game, I won't mention to avoid pissing off 90% of the audience, I would probably like it. So, mm, Jockdar, you should do that to your game. You should speed it up. <laughs> you know, I think the last thing I'll say is there is something to be said here and you kind of touched on it with yours as well. Certain people have very loud voices that have a big impact on what they do. Mm-hmm. But then those people don't stick around. Yep. And it happens in Destiny. Uh, Destiny is probably some of the biggest ones. I've seen big changes to, I guess that's my other example. Destiny 2 has had some massive reworks that they've done. And much like you were talking about with Apex, hunters are constantly complaining and yet hunters are they, they slay <laughs> they have such ridiculous stuff you played online with hunters Sean? do they have some of these th- yes <laughs> they're so broken and they're the first people that whenever a thing happens like this is bullshit my thing got stopped yeah dude your overpowered thing got stopped oh yeah. okay and then whenever it does get slightly nerfed to make sure that it's a little more in line can't believe change that oh so stupid this other class is so good no Nobody, your class, (laughs) your class is crazy. But uh, he says, Ryan, in his example about Red Dead Redemption Online, he talks about, ironically, now the game's been pretty much abandoned and it's not been updated in over a year, but he liked the slow, deliberate gameplay of the single player. And from what I can tell, it seems like the online for Red Dead Redemption Online has been abandoned by more than just Rockstar, the developer, but really the player base. Like Rock Red Dead Online never got the love that Grand Theft Auto Five Online got, or Grand Theft Auto Online. And as a result, it's like people talk about and love that game entirely from its single player mode. It didn't doesn't really have much to do with the multiplayer component at all. And True. that's unfortunate because a big change happened that the people who screamed the loudest for it didn't even stick around to experience. And now the people who like the slow version of it have to live in perpetuity with a worse version of the game that they were still willing to play. There's something to be said about that. There is something to be said about that. The takeaway here is be careful about how vocal you are about changing the game that you don't intend to stick around to, to actually worry about. Think about how the way that a game impacts other people before you go complaining about something you know you don't really care about. That's that's all I'll really say. Because I'm sure there are people that made a big deal about Red Dead Redemption Online who two days after they lodged the complaint, logged off and never logged back on because they didn't <laughs> really care. Yeah, it's true. So hey, uh, I think hey, with I that... A, uh, I have a know, question what, for what you. you um, why, is an, why is an invisible man a great employee? Hmm. I always like figuring out if I can figure the punchline out. And sometimes I do, and I feel like the king of the world. <laughs> but nothing's, nothing is immediately coming. It's One more time, you said, why is an invisible man? Yep, a good employee. The, uh, a good employee. Come on, this is an easy one. Nothing's percolating up in my head. You're going to have to break it to me. Because good help is hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Hold on, is the new theory is, he, like, is the new theme of the show that will end on a joke? I just like doing jokes. I just didn't mix any into the show this week. There you go. I now apologize. It's just be the for end that. of the episode. That's my fault. You failed, Chris. Can't believe you've done this. Kick a man while he's down. Well, I guess it's time for us to throw this on to you guys. So, as Ryan said, in today's industry, where games are constantly evolving through patches, has a game you enjoyed ever been changed in a way that negatively impacted your feelings for it? Feel free to answer that in the Discord, which we always talk about being linked in the description below. You can join in there. There's a Communities Take dedicated section where we'll post in there and remind you to give your answers. There's a podcast open discussion section where you can come and talk with us as well as other listeners about what you thought about the things we talked about in real time. Uh, we have a general chat where you can talk about whatever you want to, be it anime, games. We have music discussion. Come see us. You can hang out with us sometimes. You can see Chris have bad opinions uh, in real time. <clears throat> Red Dead sucks. <clears throat> and you can be part of the community's take also by going over to our Twitter one more time at triangle S Q R D over there. You can join the Facebook group again. That's face. Uh, that's triangle square to PlayStation podcast asked to be entered in there. And for all of you who just love us so much, there's two things you can do to help us. First thing that everyone can do doesn't cost anything at all besides a little bit of time, which time's valuable. So fair enough. You can like the video if you're watching. You can subscribe to the video if you haven't subscribed. You can share the video with anyone. You can share the audio version on any social media that you have or find people that you think would like it and give a recommendation to them um, to help bring new people in. We always love getting new opinions, new voices in here. Uh, and then the second thing you can do is head over to patreon.com slash nartech and do just like Mr. Sean, a.k.a. Sean, uh, did and become a patron for as little as a dollar per month. It's a huge help to us, helps us cover all the costs for this, and it really makes doing this show something that we don't have to be stressed about because the only thing we have to worry about is making the time to do it. And I think I can speak for Chris that we enjoy doing it. So it's not a it's not an issue. It's just sometimes we got to move dates around because employees suck. <laughs> Chris, you need more, I, you need, you need hey. more invisible employees. I I do. I God, I'd love to have invisible employees. Oh, I would never say my employees suck. I would just say that, you know, they're. I think they're older than six years old. I will say that <laughs> someone. I I can't say this on the show. I'll get in trouble. Never mind. I'll tell you after. Sorry, guys. All right, now you're going to have to become a patron so that you can get this information in Triangle Squared After Hours. Oh, yes. <laughs> Locked behind a paywall so uh -huh. that if anybody who, from Chris's job wants to hear this information and potentially get him in trouble, they'll at least have to pay us first. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get them with a double whammy. Yeah. But, Chris, I think, are you good to end the show here? I'm great to end the show here. All right, guys. We will see y'all next time. This has been Lucky Episode 268. Hopefully, we'll have Saul back with us uh, alongside an announcement next episode, but I'll let that come when the time is right. With that said, Just we hope like you'll me. join us for next episode. <laughs> we hope you'll join us for the next episode, uh, and we hope you reach out and uh, and communicate with us. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Like Big better shout games. out. <laughs> Big shout out to our patrons, <laughs> aka Sean, our new one, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, 
Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and lastly, my name is Dan. Thank all of you. We'll see you next week.